If truth is a two-sided coin, can you call it in the air? Or is it always on the same side? Should that call be put into the hands of a judge? Or do we, the people, decide what is heads and what is tails first? If so, shouldn't the power we grant these men and women and that system be used to verify what is true and untrue for us? But what if you get a judge that claims he saw the coin land on heads when you saw it clearly land on tails? And you have video evidence that it did. Do you then have the power to affect or overturn the judge's bad call? We might be able to answer those questions with your help this episode. This show is our first special here at The New Prisoners, and we are making it about the exculpatory evidence in a particular case of a January 6th defendant. But what I want you all to keep in mind, and something I think the record or history shows here, is that this case, and many others like it, can change history. Stories like this can change the balance of power in the country, if not the world. This one piece of evidence can not only free an innocent man, but it can ultimately allow the public to be in control of what is done on their behalf in the courts. Something that may free all of us. If you don't hold the coin, flip it, or call it, but are subject to whatever decision a judge or whomever else settles on, then you are not operating in a voluntary system. You are a captive. You are a prisoner. The reason why people fought and died for your right to a fair trial is because they realized that noose could be around their innocent neck if that power was left unchecked. In this episode, we put that power in the spotlight. The focus for most of this show is going to be on Judge Emmett Sullivan and the exculpatory evidence that must be acknowledged in order for true justice to prevail. I also want you all to keep in mind that this could happen in any other courtroom, to any other person, including you and those you love. The success of getting this message out to the public relies on you. Share this with your friends via direct message, text, or email. Simply posting it will only get it and your page suppressed. Share it with any politician personality or otherwise that claims to be on the side of truth and see how they react. That might tell you what side of the coin they may side with. You are listening to The New Prisoners. A copy of each week's monologue and source list are available on our Minds page and Substack. 
check out our video content on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brighteon. For audio versions, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and many others. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you find us and join the conversation by leaving your comments wherever you can. You can follow The New Prisoners and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Instagram and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Gab or at New Prisoner 6 on Twitter. If you would like to be a guest, please email the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com and provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. You can now donate to the new prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support with a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99. We also have a subscribe store where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com/the-new-prisoners. You can also donate both US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content, and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Now let's get on with the show. Oh. Okay. I'm number six. I'm here with John Henry, Lisa Belanger, and Gary McBride. And this is the New Prisoners Podcast. On this week's show, we're going to be talking about Judge Emmett Sullivan. And exculpatory evidence. Um, we're going to be talking about Judge Sullivan and Ted Stevens. We're going to be talking about Judge Sullivan and Michael Flynn. Uh, Sullivan and the J6 defendants, too. And then uh, we're also going to wrap it up with some other J6 characters in the media and other stories, too. But um, before we get to uh, that stuff, let's... Uh, Let's hear from John Henry. John Henry, do you want to say hello to the people this week? Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the end of the world. We got a great, great um, podcast for you today with some special guests coming in as a follow-up to a really phenomenal interview last week. I hope everybody enjoyed that as much as I did. So a lot going on in the world, man. Bannon comes out and says, let's go. Let's get at it. So uh, going through jury selection right now. So it's going to be exciting to see what develops throughout that. Um, You know, Hunter Biden, well, he has... More hookers and more crack, not surprised. What's interesting is you see a lot more attention on the hookers and crack than you see on his relationships with, you know, China, Russia, the Ukraine, and the big guys. So we got to keep an eye on that stuff. Um, Indiana, thank God for a good guy with a gun stopping a bad guy with a gun. Uh, a much better example of how we stop evil than we saw in Uvalde, Texas. Uh, New York City, it is not enough that you are going to get mugged and carjacked. Now you need to worry about a nuclear attack. So that's really exciting seeing that coming out of New York City and them giving warning videos to people. Uh, last but not least, another thing exciting, the WHO, who we all love and trust with our lives, like it or not, has now issued a monkeypox panel. That's really exciting. I can't wait to see who's on the monkeypox panel. Uh, and we also have started monkeypox vaccination. So here we go again. Uh, so 
just a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. Super excited. We got a couple other uh, great guests on the show. So go ahead, guys. I'll turn it over to you. Right, well, first off, let's uh, let's hear from Lisa Belanger. Uh, Lisa, you want to say hello to the people this week? Hey, how cool is this? <laughs> I get to be with number six and John Henry. Let me tell you, I am so pumped to be here, especially, you know, the first time with John Henry. This is awesome. So glad to be here. All right. And uh, Gary, do you want to say hello to the people this week? We got him. There we go. Gotcha. Yeah. I had to unmute. I got to get a little bit more excited like you, you guys. And Lisa. Well, it's all right, man. We kind of caught you off guard about this whole time zone thing. <laughs> so, but we're, we're, uh, we're in a good place now. Um, so I'll be in my zone here. Oh, we're getting there. Oh, yeah. We are certainly getting there this evening. Oh, there's no easing into it, Gary. We're going full on. Hard and fast. Zero to 100. Let's get it. That's the only way to go. Let's do it. All right. Well, let's rip it. I'm going to get started here. So uh, it's very interesting timing. Um, You know, as I've said a million times on the show before, I don't believe in anything uh, being a coincidence. And obviously, with our follow-up conversation in regards to January 6th, I want to get everybody's take on the announcement that was made today which is the federal prosecutor dropped all charges against Stephen Colbert's team that actually breached the Capitol. (laughs) So when we look at what these defendants have been going through, right, the the complete miscarriage of justice, then you have people that actually break into the Capitol and a federal prosecutor says, no, they're good. There was Stephen Colbert. So I'd love to get everybody's thoughts on that one. Yeah, Gary, you want to go first on this one? Oh, no, I just did. I just said that's a slap in the face. That's they, you know, they know how to push your buttons. And that's exactly what they like to do. They like to push your buttons and piss you off, and hopefully you do some stupid. I mean, to call that hypocrisy isn't even yeah. remotely doing that justice. I mean, it is so outrageous that you have multiple people that broke into the offices in the Capitol. Yeah. And uh, at this point, they just go, no, nah, that's cool. We're okay with that. Um, because the Capitol Police didn't invite them in or tell them to destroy any property while they're here. Uh, and I, I totally yeah. agree with you, Gary. I yes. mean, it's such a slap in the face of these people that are going through such a difficult time uh, right yeah. now that we're just on the grounds and still going through this living nightmare like Victoria is. And yeah. to see something like this be announced, it's just unbelievable. It is. Lisa, I was going to say, yeah. Lisa, our legal you're, expert. Uh, <laughs> You're familiar with hypocrisy. <laughs> oh, wow. Two words. Monty Python. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. This, I mean, talk about over-the-top arrogance. Um, it's just... <laughs> Are we in the Twilight Zone? Because I, I just We're in a Salvador Dali painting of the Twilight Zone at this point. Like that's what I was gonna say. We are in we are in an absurd like territory whenever it comes to just like the falsities that they can push on us at this point. Like we just did a segment last episode, John Henry, didn't we, about um, how the White House is claiming that Joe Biden said things that he didn't say, and that everybody can see that he didn't say <laughs> oh, on fucking camera. Yes. No, we did say that. Yeah, we're in that territory. <laughs> and we're <laughs> but it's okay because you know he just flew seven thousand miles to ask the saudi prince for oh, oil yes. <laughs> so we're good 
you know, that's fist the bump. carbon footprint. <laughs> I heard oh, bone yeah. saws it's whenever um, I whenever I saw that fist bump. I don't know about you folks, <laughs> but I don't know why. <laughs> they won't need one for Biden. They just need a butter knife. <laughs> it just falls <laughs> right apart. Metal skeleton will pop apart real fast. It's like rancid Kobe you know, beef. It's funny oh my. <laughs> Number six, you've you know you've um you've said a, a George Carlin quote quite a few times, mm. and I think that this is absolutely you know pertinent time to say that again. Which is you know there's a club and oh, you ain't in brother. it, and, and I feel like that's exactly what this is. And the fact that Colbert is um, so ingrained in the media, and, and he's such a you know a, a mouthpiece for the propaganda machine with his vaccine needles dancers on his show that it's okay if it's his team because or, or it's his people because they're on our team. Right. They're the ones that help spread the misinformation and all the garbage out there. Well, I mean, that's that's what we're up against. You know, it also, <laughs> Aren't we up against the propaganda machine? The Truman oh, show. yes. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And the, the Truman Show, yeah. uh, just that command center part, borrowing a little bit from uh, the old prisoner series, too. So, yeah. Thanks, McGowan. Thanks for uh, giving us that tip. Uh, but let's uh, let's move on to uh, the first article this evening. Let me get this going here, and I'm going to share my system audio with you guys too, because I'm learning how to do things. Now, I wanted to pull this up just to give everybody some context here, and a little bit of the background of Judge Sullivan and some of the stories he's been involved with, and then we're going to set you up with the uh, the video that Gary put together about some evidence. Um, involving a case, I believe, with Judge Sullivan. So um, let's uh, let's let's go to this. This is from the New York Times, uh, folks. I'm just going to throw it out there that you're going to get uh, a couple pieces from the New York Times tonight. Now we we aren't doing this, you know, sort of to just to poke fun at them, but just to kind of. We're not. Uh, yeah, we're, I just I want to I want to make sure that everybody understands <laughs> the involvement of an organization like the New York Times in these stories. So this is Alaska Senator is guilty over his failures to disclose gifts. And this is from October 27th, way back in 2008. Says Senator Ted Stevens, Alaska's dominant political figure for more than four decades, was found guilty on Monday by a jury of violating federal ethics laws for failing to report tens of thousands of dollars in gifts and services he had received from friends. The jury of District of Columbia residents convicted Mr. Stevens, 84, geez, that's pretty old, on all seven felony counts he faced in connection with charges that he knowingly failed to list on Senate disclosure forms, the receipt of some $250,000 in gifts, and geez, that's like one speaking engagement for a Clinton, and services used to renovate his home in Girdwood, Alaska. Now, Mr. Stevens, it says, is consistently grim-faced figure, frowned more deeply as the verdict was delivered, I wonder why, by the jury foreman, a worker at a drug counseling center, Mr. Stevens' wife, and one of his daughters sat glumly behind him in the courtroom. Wow, what they've done to these people, you'll see it. In a statement issued after he had left the courthouse, Mr. Stevens was defiant urging Alaskans to re-elect him to a seventh, seventh full term next week. He blamed what he called repeated misconduct by federal prosecutors for the verdict. Make note of that. I will fight this unjust verdict, he says, with every ounce of energy I have, he said. I am innocent. This verdict is the result of the 
unconscionable manner in which the Justice Department lawyers conducted this trial. Lisa, I definitely want to get your thoughts on that in a second. Um, he also quotes, I ask that Alaskans and my Senate colleagues stand with me. Good fucking luck. As I pursue my rights, <laughs> I remain a candidate for the United States Senate, he says. Nonetheless, the verdict is widely expected to write an end to Mr. Stevens' long political career, which has moved in tandem with his state's rough and tumble journey from a remote territory to an economic powerhouse. So you're saying there's money involved. Um, Mr. Stevens was instrumental in promoting statehood for Alaska when he was young <laughs> as part of the Interior Department. Uh, as an official to the Eisenhower administration, and then went on to represent the state in the Senate for 40 years. Over that time, he used his steadily accumulated influence over federal spending, notably using his membership on the Appropriations Committee to steer millions, perhaps billions of dollars in federal money to his home state. The verdict comes a week before a second jury of sorts, the voters of Alaska, will decide whether to return him to the Senate or elect his Democratic opponent. Mayor Mark Begick, I guess, of Anchorage. Fuck you, get a better last name. After Mr. Stevens's indictment in July, he asked for a quick trial so he might clear his name before Election Day. If Mr. Stevens loses his seat... This is kind of important, too. The trial's implications could be felt on a broad political scale, helping Democrats and their drive to win enough seats in the Senate to give them a filibuster-proof majority. That thing they want to get rid of. Filibuster-proof majority of at least 60 votes. Within an hour of the verdicts becoming public, Democrats in Senate races around the country immediately sought to make the conviction an issue for their opponents, demanding that those who had received money from Mr. Stevens, who was generous with contributions to his colleagues, return it. If Mr. Stevens wins and insists on keeping his seat, his fate will be in the hands of Senate colleagues. A senator can be expelled only by a two-thirds vote of the entire Senate, so a conviction does not automatically cost a lawmaker his seat. Since 1789, only 15 senators have been expelled, most for supporting the Confederacy during the Civil War, the Senate website states. In 1982, the Senate Ethics Committee recommended that Senator Harrison A. Williams, Democrat of New Jersey, be expelled because of his conviction on bribery, conspiracy, and conflict of interest charges in the Abscom scandal. And in 1995, the committee recommended the expulsion of Senator Robert W. Packwood, Republican of Oregon, for sexual misconduct. Packwood. Both men resigned before the full Senate could vote. Should Mr. Stevens be expelled or resign on his own, the Alaskan governor, Sarah fucking Palin, would most likely have to call a special election to fill the vacancy, according to state legal officials. Ms. Palin, the Republican nominee for vice president, issued a statement late Monday saying she was confident that Senator Stevens will do what's right for the people of Alaska, which says nothing, 
which is exactly why she fucking lost that election. Now, also, Governor Palin did not specify what that was. Thank you for pointing that out, article writer. She did ask that the verdict be respected, saying that it shines a light. How dare you? On the corrupting influence of the big oil service company that was allowed to control too much of our state. It was part of the culture of corruption. <laughs> I was elected to fight. And that fight must always move forward, regardless of party or seniority or even past service. Yeah, I'd really like some of that big oil uh, service to kick back Boy, just think about that. <laughs> Jeez, do you think that this um, the whole debacle in that. Alaska, that whole political shakeup there, you think that gave the Democrats enough time to put in a bunch of green energy bullshit up there and, and, and to wreck that entire fucking industry to squeeze us into the places that we're squeezed into now? Where our lives that are dependent on energy to function are controlled by the hands of the few, the hands that also pay their fucking salaries in terms of donations. Oh, sir, you things. sound like a climate denier oh, yeah, right well, now. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to upset the <laughs> extinction rebellion rebellion following that we certainly have <laughs> on the show. The whole one guy will just be like, "Fuck these guys!" <laughs> Damn, Damn it, it, I knew it. Climate <laughs> deniers. All right, but um, so after reading about this uh, craziness, Lisa, wh- what do, what do you think of this article? What do you think of the setup to this uh, part of the story? Any comments about anything thus far? <laughs> Did you really have to make us go back to this? Oh yeah, we're we're building a case, baby. <laughs> That's what we're doing. We're stacking evidence on this motherfucker. That's what we're doing tonight. Well, Lisa, we're always looking yeah. for the setup to the setup set on the show. Always. Well, this is not the common theme. Set up, right? Yeah. <laughs> Are we talking about J6 again? Yeah. So, I think this... <laughs> if this really weren't so... Well, I am laughing, aren't I? So, I was going to say, if it weren't so sick, it'd be hysterical. I'm sorry, it's got to be historical now. And so it says, attributes to Sarah Palin that she says, the fight must always move forward regardless of party or seniority or even past service. Well, that's pretty interesting. I think that's somewhat of a truth because really, it really does uh, move forward regardless of party because it's a one-party syndicate it's one party cartel do we not forget she was talking about corruption um i'm sorry who did she share that ticket with <laughs> oh john mccain man you can't uh yeah the what i've learned more about john mccain in the past few years like i had a completely i'll be honest with you i had a completely different idea of him back in the day like i was one of those guys that um would listen to a lot of conservative talk radio and um, that's kind of what got me into a lot of these sort of subjects. And just the way that people talked about John McCain back then, though, the way that they glamorized him and like kind of idolized him um, in the media, especially Fox News and like channels like that, that, you know, would they are the bridges to get people into this sort of thing. And like, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, there are so many metal guitar players that grew up listening to Kiss <laughs> and Kiss can fucking suck to a lot of people, but you still have to respect it somewhat because that's how like some of the most brilliant people in music got into music. It's so crazy. 
feel like Dan Crenshaw's career is the abbreviated history of Johnny. <laughs> John Henry, did you read my flipping mind? I you flipping a. I was That's just I thinking Crenshaw. <laughs> I get we, we talked about that previously. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, because he was like this conservative I mean, poster well, you know, war vet. Yeah. Okay, see, they get us. They that's how they get people off. You know, they sort of lull them, and by number one, if there's some kind of uh, infirmity, right? If you've got because when he was a war veteran, and he had you know trauma from that, physical mm-hmm. and whatever else, right? So the you um. They have people already uh, feeling sympathy, or I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, thinking thinking that oh, this guy's probably, you know, of course they say he's a, a went with the hero thing, and you know you're feeling bad hey, for him because me. they got me. Right? I mean, the guy has I a damn to- eye patch with a constitution on it. You know. Although now it's ironic. I don't know if you guys saw this, but his new eye patch has all the stuff from the Georgia Guidestones on it. (laughs) (laughs) Would not be shocked. Uh, Gary, uh, being familiar with this uh, Emmett Sullivan story here, um, just uh, going forward, like, um, what do you think about the Times's uh, initial take on this guilty plea and every or guilty verdict? I'm sorry. Uh, and everything that they talked about here. What do you think about like going back and looking at this history? What, what do you th- do? You think they did a good job in preserving history, or did they distort history? Yeah, they sure did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> could you move it a little closer? A little Can you move here. it a little closer? Thank yeah, you. it's what happened to one man back then has happened to hundreds of people right now, and there's no difference in what's going on. It's uh, it was a stolen election. They brought these charges up against Stevens a hundred days before the election. And Sullivan called the press in, let them in, let them outside. TV crews were everywhere for the reason to put it all over the TVs so he could lose the election. Because when he lost that election, that changed the balance. You know, um, it's, uh, I, I pulled a letter up a while ago. I, I tried to read, well, I've reached out twice to uh, Stephen's attorney. Okay. But he hasn't texted back, or I mean, sending messages back, but. He's got a letter, and it's really good. It's really short and simple. But what they did was just exactly what's going on now. Stone election, they compared it to a Guantanamo Bay. Government introduced false business records, get evidence. But nothing happened to the prosecutors. That's where they're going to have to change. They're going to have to do something with, with the prosecutors now, set an example. Um, I, can, I think back with one of the quotes that, they have Stephen saying is that not everybody can afford to have 12 attorneys helping them. And he hopes that this never happens again to anybody else. And what it was just, it's really not that long ago and it's happening all over again because the changes they were supposed to make never was made. It just got worse. So this is something that's been continuing. Like this is a pattern that just keeps repeating and it's, it's like a chess move. It's like every single time that they're engaging us in this in this particular pattern, they use this one particular move, and they're not even getting creative anymore. How about Eric Holder? 
I say that. Oh. Name. <laughs> yeah. He's the one that was supposed to make the changes. He was the one that was supposed to make the changes because he rolled in right after. I wouldn't all this. trust that motherfucker to make me a pop tart. Fuck That's yeah. right. He was <laughs> super was busy done. sending guns <laughs> to Mexico. Oh, yeah. Hey, yes. Gary. Yeah. Gary, he was arming the Mexican cartels. He didn't have time. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, these guys, they just fucking lack creativity, right? It's the same exact thing with, with the whole entire Russia collusion bullshit with Trump, mm-hmm. right? They push that narrative, push that narrative, push that narrative. But the irony is how frequent we see these things happening. And then the person, the opposition, they're the ones that are actually guilty of all the same thing. They're making the accusation against. It's unbelievable. It's been happening for so long, you know, and then they, they know we know, but they don't care because we're, we're, nobody's done anything to them. You know, nobody stood up against them. Nobody stopped them. Um, and they just keep pushing it. Well, hey, that's why we're doing this. That's not going to last very much Because longer. you people listening out yeah. there in, the, in our audience, the people that are listening to this podcast or watching this video, um, we are the people that can do something about it. Every single one of us, every single day. Um, if we can dedicate our time to focusing on learning about uh, these topics and being able to uh, put them in a way that we can demonstrate them to you um, as we can you know, here tonight, as I hope that we can here tonight, um, I'm, I'm going to move on uh, because John Henry, you brought up something very important. You brought up something about the Russiagate uh, conspiracy, and we're definitely going to get to that. But before we do, let's bring in uh, some unlikely heroes here uh, as of late. Uh, let's bring in NPR. Um, this is Report Prosecutors Hid Evidence in Ted Stevens' Case. Go fucking figure. This is from March 15th, 2012. Uh, just to give everybody some more background on what happened in this story. That's how long it took to get. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Where was, I mean, think about that. That was a report about a guy that was clearly innocent, but just think about what they can do with the one about COVID that they were supposed to supply us with, uh, how long they can uh, possibly, uh, you know, ice the kicker on that one. Well, it says here in the article, yeah. an extraordinarily special investigation by a federal judge was concluded that two Justice Department prosecutors initially hid evidence in the case against Senator Ted Stevens. One of the biggest political corruption cases in recent history. A blistering report released Thursday found that the government team concealed documents. Let me repeat that. That the government team concealed documents that would have helped the late Stevens, a longtime Republican senator from Alaska, defend himself against false statements charges in 2008. Stevens lost his Senate seat as the scandal played out, just in case you were wondering how that worked. And he died in a plane crash two years later. Hmm. A 500-page report by investigator Henry F. Schulke uh, III shook the legal community. You don't say. As law professors described it as a milestone in the history of prosecutorial misconduct. Investigators. Did we get that election back, by the way, after this fucking milestone? I don't remember that happening. Anyways, investigators weren't talking Thursday. But Brendan Sullivan, who defended the senator, had plenty to say. Oh, the extent of the corruption is shocking, Sullivan says. It's the worst misconduct we've seen in a generation by prosecutors at the Department of Justice. 
Now, it says failings detailed. The report is based on a review of 128,000 documents and interviews with prosecutors and FBI agents on the hot seat. It details crucial failings by the government as it raced to get ready for the 2008 trial. Disheveled files, key meetings at which FBI agents never took notes, insufficient management by supervisors at the Justice Department's criminal division, and pained egos that led resentful members of the prosecution team to stop talking to each other in the weeks before the case went to Washington, D.C. jury. Wow, sounds like they had their shit together. Also, for instance, the report says the justice team argued to the jury that Stevens, who served the state of Alaska for 40 years, accepted pricey renovations to his Alaska chalet from oil services company executive Bill Allen. Hmm, might want to note that name too. Prosecutors argued that the senator didn't disclose the full value of the gift on his congressional disclosure forms. There was a problem with that, though. Defense attorney Sullivan says Senator Stevens had a handwritten note to Bill Allen requesting that Bill Allen send him a bill. It was the heart of the defense because the note said, send me a bill. We have to do this ethically, Sullivan recalls. (laughs) But somehow, prosecutors reasoned that the senator was simply trying to cover his tracks and they failed to turn over statements from a renovation forum. Uh, foreman, sorry, Rocky Williams. Let me repeat that. They failed to turn over statements from a renovation foreman, Rocky Williams, who might well have supported the senator's account. They went on to present estimates about the cost of renovations that were wildly overblown, the report said. The government team also left the jury with a mistaken impression that Allen had been telling authorities all along that Stevens had cooked up a cover story about wanting to pay all the bills. But in fact, the report says Allen didn't mention that. In 55 previous interviews with prosecutors and the FBI, make a note there, and the FBI only come up coming up with the account that helped the Justice Department on the eve of the trial. What are we what are we going to do tomorrow guys? Well, here's the plan I guess. Well, finally the report says prosecutors should have shared information that might have obliterated Allen's credibility. An explosive allegation that Allen had a sexual relationship with a 15-year-old girl and then asked her to lie about it under oath. John Henry, let me go back to the panel. John Henry, where the fuck have we heard this one before about something about the FBI and some kind of like sex scandal with underage girls and blackmail and shit? And wasn't there a thing in the news we've been following? What the hell? Just that little thing. thing. Where people also died mysteriously? Yeah. (laughs) Oh boy. Uh, Going back to their lack of creativity, right, on, on how they fight this battle, you know, it's like, you know, you can read Sun Tzu, The Art of War, and it lays out 
you know, the, the general principles and practices. And it's almost like these guys have a manual on how to go about this. Okay, hold on a second here. Okay. Um, yep. Okay. Okay. What's critical is we do this right before the election. Okay. Yep. Smear his name. Make him look like a piece of shit. And then, uh, oh, man. Hey, hey. Hold down here in the bonus section, it says sexual misconduct underage girl. We got to throw one or two of those in there. Yeah, let's toss a couple of those in the mix right now, too. And then, and then, and then, while, while people are figuring out what we really did, he should probably die in a plane accident. <laughs> it's like... It, it goes back to, you know, at least I was saying the Truman Show. It's like it's not even fucking real anymore, you know, because you want to think that that the world, it's okay to be objective and, you know, the world is just and the government does have our best interest. And I know that I sound like a fucking idiot even saying that, right, based on our current state of, you know, um, our whole entire administration. And then we look at the DOJ, the FBI, the CIA, and just the massive amounts of corruption. I mean, it's just so ironic, but it's ridiculous. And it's just the same shit over and over and over and over. And going back to Gary's comment, which is, where's the recourse, right? When do these prosecutors end up in jail? When they find out that they're manipulating evidence. And Lisa, I, I, I mean, I'd like to ask you about that, right? I mean, you know, you're, you're a legal expert, right? So it, what is that threshold where somebody can be held accountable that's, I mean, on the prosecution for something like this, for destroying somebody's life, you know, in a 40 year run of leading the state of Alaska. So, I mean, how does it work? How do we get to that point, Lisa? Who has to initiate uh, that process? How does that happen? Uh, has there ever been a prosecutor or any legal enforcement person held accountable for corruption? Thank you, Lisa. Um, That's very positive and uplifting. I appreciate it. Okay. Oh, but yeah, let's, let's take it a step Please. further. In that in this great in this great article, you know, sometimes it's about what's not mentioned. Uh, and now it says an extraordinary special investigation by a federal judge. Hmm. Um uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I, I don't see the guy's name there. And uh, before we do the spoiler alert as to who who they mean, um, <clears throat> uh, let's see. I notice that in the next let's see, couple of paragraphs, it says investigators weren't talking Thursday, but Brendan Sullivan, who defended the senator, had plenty to say. Now, by the way, Brendan Sullivan, who the hell is he? Um, no I'm, I'm just <laughs> no relation. <laughs> yeah. It's all, what's that? Six degrees of what? Okay, <laughs> then let's go down and then let's see. Uh, wait a minute. What's, what was, then there was, meanwhile, Edward Sullivan, a junior member of the Stevens trial team. Hmm, that's interesting. Now, can I do the spoiler Please alert? Please do. So, and who comes out to, to, uh, be the biggest champion for Ted Stevens, none other than Judge Emmett Sullivan. Yes. Okay, now let's see. Now, okay, let's see. Now, there are a couple of Sullivans on the defense team. Now, uh, I'm just, uh, you know, I didn't do this rabbit dive yet. Um, but how is it that Judge Sullivan 
became this crusader <laughs> uh, on behalf of Ted Stevens. I mean, it is a little peculiar, peculiar uh, given that, oh, wait a minute, um, Judge Sullivan happens to be a um, DNCer, I think. Hmm. Let's see. Now, why would he want to help save a Republican? That's that's kind of interesting. I don't know the answer to it necessarily, but uh, somehow there seems to. I'm I'm just thinking that maybe um, Judge Sullivan might have some connections with the defense. Team. I'm just thinking. I don't know. You think that's why his name didn't happen to be mentioned in that flipping article? Are you for real? I mean, this is so hmm. bad. What a shit show. Oh, oh no. Sorry. We're allowed. That's what, This is what we do. <laughs> we're, we're allowed to talk dirty. So, you mean, that, oh, I love that. Especially not look. It's after I was here, too. So that's very appropriate for where I am. So. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Gary, did you have something to say about this um, article before we moved on? No, I'm I'm right. good. I just uh, all right. Yeah. Let's um let's dive back into. Uh, well, wait. I have yes, one more please. thing. I have one more thing. But notice uh, how this this umbrage. Oh my God! Look, the five hundred page report. This shocking, shocking. I tell you. <laughs> uh what was that? Hiding, hiding of evidence. Interesting. I suppose it really doesn't matter what side you're on, right? Yeah, I guess it doesn't. Does yeah, it really it matter? Sullivan's either getting the wool pulled over his eyes or he's got blinders on, and I'm choosing the blinders because it's happened wait, multiple wait, times and not that long ago, but it still keeps happening in his court. He no. just doesn't ever see it. He's an idiot. Gary, Gary, it wasn't happening in his court. He inserted himself inserted himself out of nowhere mm. <laughs> okay i'm telling you um let's see should we do some you know we really do need to do a little bit of research as to those relationships with the defense team well, okay maybe there should, it's just yeah. the corruption is amazing so here's something else i'll throw in there as we were talking about you know when you look at how incestual all this yes. shit is so you know as i open up that conversation with colbert's team um, so Matthew Graves is the Biden appointed U.S. attorney who dropped the charges on Colbert's crew. Uh, he's the same prosecutor that's investigating J6. <laughs> so <laughs> when we talk about patterns, I mean, it is unbelievable. Uh, hey, by the way, this is going to shock everybody, by the way. Um, Matthew Graves, he works for, well, Merrick Garland. Oh, so <laughs> that should surprise everybody. Works for Merrick Garland. Hmm. Well, that's a name that's going to be coming up too. Uh, and some of this. So um, let, let's uh, let's dive back into this. Um, it says not about mistakes. It is incredible. It's such an incredibly high profile case where a sitting United States Senator is being prosecuted under the spotlight of the world with cameras watching and a top notch. It says defense team that these kinds of egregious Brady violations would occur. Now, Lisa, I definitely want you to comment on what Brady violations are and just like give the audience kind of an idea of what that is in just a moment. Uh, but it says uh, American University law professor Cynthia Jones. I don't know if you're familiar with that name either. But uh, Jones is referring to Brady versus Maryland. There we go. And a landmark Supreme Court case that instructed prosecutors to turn over evidence that would favor criminal defendants. 
The team prosecuting Stevens also ran afoul of another longstanding Supreme Court precedent in the case of Giglio versus United States. In the Giglio case, the high court said prosecutors needed to share evidence that would help defendants impeach the credibility of government witnesses. Everyone seems to agree that the Stevens prosecution was infected with errors. <laughs> the report blames higher-ups in the criminal division of the Bush Justice Department, Matt Friedrich and Rita Glavin, for failing to supervise the case. Friedrich didn't respond to requests for comment by email Thursday afternoon. Glavin said she didn't have access to the reporter filings until Thursday and planned to comment once she had a chance to read through the material. But lawyers for the lower-level Alaska prosecutors singled out Thursday. Joseph Bettini and James Goak said investigators had been unfair. In quotes, it says the people who should be investigated and held responsible for the mistakes made in this case were the then upper management in the Department of Justice, who for political reasons rushed this case to trial before the prosecution was prepared to try it, says Matthew Menchel, a lawyer for Goak. It was this decision that made it a fait accompli. Wow, I haven't heard that since uh, Star Trek. That the mistakes of the kind outlined in the Schulke report would happen. Jim Goke should not be made a scapegoat. Yeah, don't make a goat out of the Goke. For problems that were caused by the upper echelon of the Department of Justice. Let me say that again. Problems that were caused by the upper echelon of the Department of Justice. Defense attorney Ken Weinstein spoke out on behalf of Bettini, who has been a prosecutor for 27 years. The special prosecutor in this case looked at the mistakes that were made and without any evidence and without any legal support, just concluded those mistakes were intentional misconduct, Weinstein says. This is not about mistakes, countered Sullivan. Stevens's uh, defense lawyer. This is not about negligence. This is not about incompetence. This is about intentional wrongdoing, he told reporters. Hmm, he sounds certain. Stevens' former colleague in the U.S. Senate, uh, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, introduced legislation Thursday that would make clear that prosecutors are required to turn over evidence that would help criminal defendants their bill won immediate support from the American Civil Liberties Union, the National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers, sure they're great, and Nonpartisan Constitution Project and past president of the American Bar Association. So, Lisa, I am sure you are ready to come out of the gate after hearing about some of that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can I, you know, it's hard to contain myself here, but um, <clears throat> let's. Now, how many times are they going to say the word mistake? I mean, what? That's hysterical. Mistake, mistake. No, I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, things like that aren't mistakes. Now, any, it just common sense as to let's talk about the supposed um, burden uh, or duty and responsibility of the prosecutor turn over evidence that would favor criminal defendants. Okay. That's uh, funny the way they said that would favor. It's, it's, it's supposed to be about evidence that I guess in his favor, but tends to show that they're not guilty or they're not liable or in that fashion. 
uh, word favor. That kind of tickles my my funny bone. Um, so, and who's supposed to be the arbiter of that? Oh, oh, the right, the prosecuting team. That's right. They get to determine as to what is supposed to be uh, evidence that would tend to assist and aid in terms of showing innocence or lack of culpability. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's, I mean, can you, I mean, that's just plain old, like, uh, what's even uh, a term to even accurately describe the absurdity of that? Yeah. How about you just turn over everything? How's that? Why are we gonna, we're going to play this little uh, semantics game? It's really disgusting. This is the problem that no matter which side you're on, it doesn't matter, Republican, uh, Democrat, uh, you know, both sides do it. Okay. And this is the game that keeps going on and on and on. And uh, people will just, you know, they just, they keep taking taking the bait. They keep on thinking, oh, yes, this, these are the rules and procedures. It's a farce. This is the problem that that no lawyer, other lawyer than myself, <laughs> is willing to call out the, the, this legalese bullshit. Yeah. Well, well that's, that's why we appreciate I you, mean, Lisa. <laughs> it's, well, one of the many reasons. But, it's, but let me but yes. <laughs> but let me clarify it's not that it's bullshit that things should be turned over that's not bullshit no that is necessary that's what needs to happen yes but bullshit is that you're going to let the the foxes who are watching the hen house determine exactly. <laughs> what they're going to turn over and and that's what's so disgusting. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up this article real quick. It, uh, it, under lasting effects here, just to give the audience uh, a little bit more context here, it says, the aftermath of the Stevens case has taken a toll on nearly everyone connected with it. A young Justice Department lawyer who spent years prosecuting Alaska corruption, Nicholas Marsh, committed suicide at his home in September 2010 as the investigation continued. The report expressed no conclusion as to his conduct, given his untimely death. Robert Luskin, an attorney for Marsh, said he tried to do the right thing. It's a shame how those guys always end up dead, isn't it? We reject the contrary implications in the Shulky report, which, like the very conduct that it purports to criticize, was the product of a well-intentioned but ultimately misguided process, Luskin said. I love it. Brenda Morris and William Welch, who held leadership posts in the Public Integrity Unit that prosecuted Stevens, were reassigned to their jobs in the Justice Department. The report made no... This is like the end credits of like the 80s movies, you know, where they would tell you what happened to the people after the story. Only this really fucking sucks. These people were just reassigned to other jobs. The report made no misconduct findings about them. Of course not. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do they work for the Catholic oh, Church? Yeah, might as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, let's go ahead and move them to a different Especially location. Especially the Catholic Church out in California, while Kamala Harris was in power. Man, woo! Peter Schweitzer, you know. he came out the gate on that one too. Man, wow! So we're on fire. A fact that lawyers highlighted. Mm. Morris wrote a letter for the record that ended, I trust that I can continue my legal career without further speculation as to my ethics or professionalism. Meanwhile, 
Edward Sullivan, a junior member of the Stevens trial team, is now prosecuting corruption cases again. The report says he deferred to the judgment of his superiors and made no independent decisions when it came to turning over evidence to the defense. His lawyer says Sullivan has been exonerated. Attorney General Eric fucking Holder, who abandoned the Stevens case in April 2009 after uncovering new and disturbing details about the prosecution, told lawmakers last week that the Justice Department had imposed sweeping new training courses. Please, it's okay. I I wanted, I didn't know if we'd get past that part or if your whole setup would have just exploded into particles, Lisa. Please. (laughs) You so know me. I'm trying to be so good. No, I appreciate it. Because it's so infuriating. Like, they just tell you, like, oh, we just, we have training for that now. Sorry. We'll we'll train people to not do bad stuff, like hold exculpatory evidence. No, it's worse. (laughs) Please. No, no, hold on to your seat. Listen to this. Think about this. Attorney General Eric Holder, who abandoned the Stevens case in April 2009. Mm. Uh, Do you you hear that? Who abandoned the Stevens case, meaning he didn't want to prosecute it. Correct? Am I I misreading that? No one else was prosecuted either. Damn it. <laughs> like, that's the problem. That's what Gary was getting at earlier. It was just like, you'd, you'd think that somewhere along the lines, somewhere like in the past several no, decades. But why? <laughs> but why did he abandon oh. it? No, you did. You know, now. See, okay. So Ooh, okay. There's, there's some underlying crap here, right? Right. What's he afraid of? Uh, hello. Okay. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> oh yeah let it lie yeah that's what happened to, to uh mr stevens okay that's the tactical so, move and absolutely that, and then uh then you add in well who's also connected to eric holder oh let's see hmm uh emmett judges judge uh emmett sullivan oh, yeah. huh? hmm. amazing. amazing amazing see how all right you see how they, they all they all just uh the the if you put these pieces together, that you know, why did those people who hate Republicans come to <laughs> Mr. Stephen's defense? I mean, no one thinks that's weird. Okay, I'm just saying. Well, let's uh, let's move on in another article here about Judge Emmett Sullivan because that just gives you like uh, sort of the the beginning framework of where we're going this evening. Um, I wanted to pull this. Up. Oh, this is getting oh, yeah. juicy. We're going to get real juicy tonight, folks. So lay down some tarp. Uh, the New York Times, again, the reason why I like doing this, just to just prove a point with it. Judge in Flynn case renowned for his independent streak. The U.S. District Court judge, this is how they pose it, right? Emmett Sullivan will hear a challenge to the Justice Department's surprise move to drop charges against President Trump's former National Security Advisor, Michael T. Flynn. Damn it, I thought that was Lori Lightfoot for a second. <laughs> I bet you she could grow a mean whatever the fuck that is. Couldn't she? Could you imagine the shit that could get stuck? I, I apologize, folks, that are watching the uh, or listening via podcast. Uh, if you're watching this, though, I'm pointing to what appears to be a grayed-out soul patch. But if you imagine a grayed-out soul patch on Lori Lightfoot, right? Um, imagine the just the, the gook that could get stuck in something like that. That's just... Um, no. I don't... All right, we're going to scroll. Did you say gook? Yeah. Humidity's yeah. too high. It's yeah. just... Well, 
Ah. Uh, yeah. That reminds me of Beetlejuice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That, I mean, she, <laughs> she is the embodiment of Beetlejuice in real form here in real life. Um, but yeah, that was a picture of Judge Emmett Sullivan as first appointed to the bench by President Ronald Reagan. So yes, this is what uh, at least I believe you were bringing up before too. Uh, this is a piece by Michael Crowley. I wonder if he's related to Alistair. And this is from May 13th. Oh boy. 2020. Now, Washington, federal prosecutors had scored a stunning victory in 2008 with the successful conviction on corruption charges of Senator Ted Stevens of Alaska. So, this is why this connects. A powerful Republican when months later they were astonished as Judge Emmett G. Sullivan turned the tables on them. Judge Sullivan dismissed the verdict against Mr. Stevens and appointed a special prosecutor to investigate whether the government lawyers themselves had committed criminal wrongdoing. In an angry courtroom lecture, Judge Sullivan of the United States District Court of the District of Columbia accused the Justice Department team of withholding exculpatory evidence. Remember that term. In nearly 25 years on the bench, he said, I've never seen anything approaching the mishandling and misconduct that I've seen in this case. The case cemented Judge Sullivan's reputation for fierce independence and low tolerance for government misconduct, a reputation in the spotlight again, now that he is entertaining a challenge to the Justice Department's extraordinary, <laughs> extraordinary motion to dismiss its criminal case against Michael T. Flynn, President Trump's former national security advisor. On Tuesday night, less than a week after prosecutors filed a motion to drop the case against Mr. Flynn, who had pleaded guilty to a felony charge of making false statements to federal authorities, Judge Sullivan indicated he was willing to hear from outside legal experts before he decides how to rule. What the fuck is that? <laughs> that appears to leave the door open for critics who claim that the motion is politically motivated. Number yes, six. please. Yeah. Lisa, I'm sure you have something to say by now. Okay. It's a rough one. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, you know, something just uh, flashed to my mind. And I really don't know the answer to it. So uh, if any of you guys can help, help me. Um, in any of the previous articles, how is it that that supposed exculpatory evidence came about? Like, so we know that the prosecutor, that they didn't produce something. Well, so in order to have this whole rigmarole go, there has to be something that there was evidence to show that evidence was withheld. So I'm just wondering, what did I mm. miss? How did that all start? Well, speaking of to someone that knows how exculpatory evidence may be just dismissed by defense teams, prosecutors, judges, and whatnot, Gary, <laughs> how does that process work for for those for people that have submitted evidence to trials like this? Like how how does that go? Where they just kind of skip it, miss it, lose it, whatever. No, who is the leak? Who was the leak well, yeah. is, the, is the thing here, okay? It was leaked someplace. So go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry, Gary. No, that's, no, that's fine. It's just, that's, that, that's the wrong thing is that because the prosecutors, their job's not to get a conviction. Their job's to uphold the law, and they're not doing that anymore. They haven't been. You know, and it's, it's 
um, I mean, you've been in a lot of situations where you've, you know, seen evidence and you've shared evidence with people. You've reached out to people like you do a lot, Gary, that where you reach out to people to try and get the word out there about this kind of stuff. And uh, it, they're just, yeah, yeah, they're not looking for it. the defense attorneys aren't doing their job. They're just. I don't know what they're doing. Well, I kind of know what they're doing, but we talk about that some other okay. time. All right. But they're not doing anything either. I mean, nobody's doing anything for these guys. For anybody, it's, it's just getting worse and worse. You know, it's a, uh, what do we do? Well, that, that's a, that's an important question that we'll probably be asking ourselves uh, at the, at the end of this. Um, Lisa, did you have something to say? It's all about, it's all about underlying agenda. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just like, okay. So, now, uh, for instance, not to digress or <laughs> my usual thing about going someplace else, but think about it with uh, with uh, Hunter, right? Now, how do you think that all really started? Who do you really think put out the 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 incriminating <laughs> stuff in evidence about Hunter? I'm going to tell you something. It was. <laughs> <laughs> the DNC, they're the ones who outed their own. That's how you see there's always an underlying agenda as to why these things come about. So what's the play, Lisa? Just, why would they do that? Yeah, why would they do that? That that, that is well it, well as far as for uh regarding Biden. So do you think it's twenty fifth amendment? Oh, because they've realized that this guy's way more fucking shot than they could have even. No, imagined. no, no. Yeah. Well, here's a, no, 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 no. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so a lot of the things with say Hunter. Okay. That's the shiny objects. Okay. It's always the, the, Hey, look over there. Okay. Uh, as far as with, with Biden, what they're doing with him, you no, know, that what they're doing, they're actually, uh, making it, they're uh, making it happen. Actually, they want him to be seen as a buffoon. Okay, and the reason why they're escalating it is because why they they actually they do they want the Republicans to be the ones to to get rid of him. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. They don't want to be the ones to take the blame. Mm. They, and, and I actually don't even know why they would actually even uh, necessarily want him out, though, because we all know, don't we all know now that there is, the presidents do not make any decisions? I mean, they really are all puppets. Even uh, President Clinton admitted that himself. Well. It, it, the football changes hands, Lisa, I think, like what you just talked about. I think the football changes hands, but it's really a scrimmage between the one team. You know, the, the way the way it's poised against us, uh, you know, the the, the two sided uh, coin. I, I, I was going to ask uh, this question. If, if truth is a two sided coin, like do you call it in the air or is it always the same thing? You know, if 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 you're going to call truth as something that is objectively true and right, and this is something I would ask the entire audience this week too, 
if you know what is true and right, it needs to be true and right all the time. It's not true and right whenever you make it up, whenever you just decide on the fly that it's true and right. Yeah. I, I just, I, I think that therein is an objective truth and right and good in the world. John Henry. Well, and that's something that Jordan Peterson says. Oh. He's like, your truth and truth are two very different things. Yeah. The truth is the truth. Right. And that's something else that Matt Walsh does a really good job. He talks about that exact thing in um, his What is a Woman mm-hmm. document. And that's the argument. He says, okay, well, what is it? Well, it whatever identifies. He goes, yeah, but what's the truth? And when they go into it, they can't, not only can they not explain what a woman is, they also can't even explain what the truth is. It's like, no, it's no. not that they... It's not that they can't. It's because they're so just—it's it's intellectually dishonesty on their part. Because it's all because they don't want to say it because that doesn't go along with their narrative. So they right. So Mm -hmm. it's they just well they they definitely think. we the people are stupid. Absolutely, they they think that. So they don't even. But look how arrogant they are. They don't even look. They don't even care how how uh, uh, ludicrous they look. They don't care. They don't even care that they look absurd. That's well, and, that's and to how. Go back to what Six said earlier that you know you literally have footage of this man making a statement, and then they go, "No, he didn't say that. <laughs> he didn't say that." So that's their truth, right? And the truth is, yeah, that we all heard it with our own ears, watched it with our own eyes. Fuck, if you're deaf, you can lip read and see what that guy mumbled with, yeah. you know, drool and pudding hanging out the side of his mouth. Absolutely. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's move on and uh, let's let's finish out this article and because uh, I definitely we, I feel like we're building, we are definitely building a little bit uh, here, folks. Uh, Judge Sullivan showed the extent of his concern on Wednesday, it says, when he appointed a retired federal judge, John Gleason, to present arguments against the government's decision to drop the case and to address whether Mr. Flynn may have committed perjury by seeking in January to withdraw his 2017 guilty plea. Judge Gleason, a former United States District Court judge in Brooklyn, co-wrote an op-ed Monday in the Washington Post. Thanks, guys. Urging Judge Sullivan to assess the credibility of the department's stated reasons for abruptly reversing course and potentially to deny the motion and proceed to sentencing. Criminal defense lawyers and legal analysts in Washington said it was hard to predict how Judge Sullivan might act. While he has expressed personal disgust in court for Mr. Flynn's actions, what? He also has uh, displayed a low tolerance for the sort of prosecutorial misconduct that the Justice Department claims as a justification for ending its case against Mr. Flynn. He's not afraid to cross anybody, said uh, Robert D. Luskin, who has represented uh, several high-profile Washington political clients and argued before Judge Sullivan. He's ferociously independent, said Reed H. Weingarten a prominent criminal defense lawyer and partner at the Washington firm of Steptoe and Johnson. (laughs) Throw up in my mouth. Okay. I'm sorry. Throw up in my mouth. Freaking A. I know Lisa. 
Steptoe and Johnson. That could have been useful on last week's episode, John Henry, when we were talking about Boris Johnson too. They have Steptoe, Pincher, Johnson, and Cummings in whatever kind of order. That's uh, a... <laughs> but it says, who also argued before the judge, he doesn't suffer fools. Yeah, look at them just building this again. Uh, a Washington native and wow, Howard Law School graduate. Judge Sullivan was nominated to the federal bench by President Bill Clinton, a Democrat, but first appointed to the Superior Court of the District of Columbia by President Ronald Reagan and promoted by President George Bush, both Republicans. Judge Sullivan, 70. Can I yes. stop you there? Yeah, for a second? no, I'm that, sorry. that's a you great notice, point. You see how that that's works? That's why I wanted to get to that point in that, that article, works? Lisa, because I've probably. That cause that's about infiltration. Okay, if you even think that he was Republican, uh, uh, you know, I hate I hate even talking about uh, Republican Democrat because really it is a one or even a deep state. Like uh, I hear that term being thrown around a lot, and like for years it was denied, and then lately, like the the media just reports on it as such. <laughs> like the, the the media just comes out nowadays and says, well, the deep state just says that we should do this, and. Uh, you know, everyone agrees. And here's the people that agree with us. Our expert, you know, like, come on now. <laughs> right. So he was never a Republican ever to begin with. But you see how that that's how see how it starts with the seeds. They 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 take the guys and they make them look like something they're not. And it's called infiltration. Entryism. Yeah, I think that that might be a term for it as well. Uh, Gary, anything to add at this point of the article? No, I'm just saying that like oh, always. Man, I'm, you are you are ready to pounce, my friend, because like they say in, in all these yeah. articles, because uh, you you've got some you've got some stuff to show our audience here. So uh, let's uh, let's move forward. It says um, it says lawyers from Mr. Flynn who argued that their client was essentially entrapped by federal prosecutors <laughs> who had no legitimate reason to question him may have hoped that Judge Sullivan would be sympathetic to the defense arguments that Mr. Flynn was a victim of government misconduct. Lisa, was he? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Can you hear me? (laughs) Let's flip back to you, uh, uh, because John Henry, I think you want to hear this, too, you know, because we've followed the Michael Flynn case for a while. So let's think about this. Now, Sidney Powell. Now, I, I'll tell you what, uh, the record does show I was pretty impressed with her at the beginning because, wow, she actually was going to right the wrong, so to speak. And as things started to play out, they, uh, I'm saying to myself, um, she's kind of playing both sides against the middle. I'm, uh, I'm not sure what's going on. So here's the thing. You see, I'm not so sure that Sidney Powell should ever have taken the case. <laughs> um, essentially, it seems that she kind of had a conflict of interest because she wrote her book called uh, License to Lie, and Judge Emmett Sullivan was the hero in that book. Hmm. So let's see. Now, why would she interject herself into that particular case? Huh? I'm thinking that maybe she thought she had some kind of uh, some kind of favorable 
uh, what should I say? Hmm. Yeah, that she had some kind of uh, wonderful relationship with Judge Sullivan, that of course he'd see things her way. Was she really that naive? Ooh. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Are they just a cast of characters that all connect with one another, though? Like, you know, if 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 he's the hero in her story, sort of, then um, you think that there's some sort of level of admiration that may be shared, you know, vice versa for one another, and therefore mm-hmm. they're connected in certain ways where they they can sort of, you know, conspire to to set up an innocent man together, you know, by just fucking shit I, up like she does. And like, I'm actually that's a that's a perfect segue too in the next article. So we'll just you know, jump into it from there. I know people are gonna. People are going to think this strange, um, but I, I, I'm just in the search of truth. So um, I very much, uh, based on the information that came out uh, from the DOJ, uh, it seemed to be that General Flynn was, <laughs> it seemed that he was framed based on everything that, I, that I've seen. What, what's interesting, and, and I, I don't have an answer to, but again, I have no skin in the game. I, I'm just looking for the truth. So, and it's not that I'm bashing him in any way, but I'm just wondering. It's just very weird that the DOJ actually uh, uh, filed a motion to dismiss. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they doubled down and tripled down. All of a sudden, <laughs> they they come out and do this motion to dismiss. It really floored me because. Uh, all of a sudden, they're going to do the right thing. I don't know. I'm just saying, there's something not right here. Uh, I I don't know what it is, but it it just it is one big cluster, you know. Yeah, it just made no sense. Like out of, <sighs> out of like you said, out of the blue, it's like you would think that their case would be so airtight, and the way that the media played it, like it's just like uh, it's they, it's like they jumped out of the pool and they're and they're. Their, their shorts fell down in front of the whole crowd. <laughs> like it, it's just, they really like exposed themselves, didn't they? Like just to go back to something that we've used the best uh, podcast, Lisa, you know, it's just, they really did. Like they, they exposed themselves in the media because they, they hyped this up so much. Like people just uh, fuck it. They lost their minds about Michael Flynn and a traitor and, and Russia and, and like all, all these uh, just, just tooth spitting monologues that you would get from these idiots in the media about Russia and Flynn and Trump and, and, and all these connections with Putin. And, and it was just a farce. It was unbelievable. I, do I even have to say the name Adam Schiff? Like it's just the, the, if, <laughs> Uh, folks, if you're not familiar with that person, if you want to call him a fucking person at all, like just the the lies that that went on here in the in the Russia Gate scandal, like if you really jump into it, you will lose pretty much. And this is what prepared me maybe for my relationship with you, Lisa, is that you will lose all faith in the institutions themselves that are put in place that you think that fucking protect you because they don't. They fail. They drop the fucking ball. They fuck the fucking football. They don't know what they're even doing with it. It's terrible. <laughs> like it's. it's <laughs> that's what, but that's what floors me is because people keep on over and over and over and saying, "Just go and sue." I mean, as if. Oh yeah, take them to court. As if rules really apply in the courtroom. <laughs> they do not apply. I, it, it is such a rigged system, but yet people over and over keep on thinking. That that 
the rules of fair play will actually apply. They don't apply in any flipping court whatsoever. What I don't care. The longest running senator in that time, and then what they did to Flynn. Yeah. Look what they did to two people that, and you have just people like us in jail. Just imagine what's going to happen. This Brilliant, stop. Gary. I mean, same move, uh, very powerful people, and then apply that move to yourselves out there listening, right? Like that's that's the kind of situation that uh, friends of ours now are in, right? Like that's that that's the kind of thing that uh, you know keeps us up at night. So let's let's talk about uh, Judge Emmett Sullivan and um, his uh, little thing with Michael Flynn here. It says Judge Emmett Sullivan uh, to Mike Flynn, you sir are no Ted Stevens. This is from Empty Wheel. This is from December sixteenth, twenty nineteen. Now I don't believe he ever said that really, but. This is more like a little op-ed piece, but it does bring up some important things. I, I wanted to get some comments uh, from Lisa on before we move forward. Real briefly, it says, Judge Emmett Sullivan just denied all of Mike Flynn's efforts to blow up his plea deal. While it addresses his long list of demands one by one, even before he gets there, it's clear he's pretty fed up with this whole effort. Along the way, Sullivan accuses Flynn's lawyer, Sidney Powell, of not ethically citing one of her sources. So it says here in this part, the court notes that Mr. Flynn's brief in support of his first Brady motion lifted verbatim portions from a source without attribution compared to what is that defenses or defs? I'm, I'm lost. Uh, BRECF number 109, 11 through 12, 15 through 16, 15 and 21. Oh, that's great. With brief of the New York Council of Defense Lawyers at Owl as Amici Curiae supporting petitioner Brown versus United States 566 US 970 2012 number 11 through 783 2012 WL 242906 at 536 8. This is insane. 12 to 13, 12 and 6. <laughs> Perfect. Did everybody Let's get that? Did we read words, though? <laughs> uh, Lisa, I'm going to need you to go ahead and decipher that yeah. for us, please. So this is what I'm talking about. Like, wh whenever I pull up an article like this, Lisa, and I'll flip back to the article, too, here. Like, th this is something for the audience. Like, when, when we want to do our research, we always want to fact check this stuff that we hear on podcasts like this. We always, I want people to follow up with the source list this week and check out all the sources that we'll have attached to it. And that is available on Substack and Minds. But honestly, like when I read through this stuff, like I feel again, I feel like Ralph from The Simpsons. Like shit just goes off like little tiny explosions of galaxies in my mind, but nothing really registers. So like what I was trying to get at, I guess, here is that um, what is going on here with the Brady motions that were filed by uh, Sidney Powell? And where did where did she sort of would, did, would, is this something that she could have just fucked up or was this a trap or was this intentional? Like, no, actually, no, no. I the the motions uh, that she filed. I mean, the, 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 those were solid. You know, seriously, uh, just this is just even reinforced. No, she actually. I don't think there was anything that she um, like she was a plant or anything like that. You know, the, to uh. For a client, no, actually, I I think 
actually thought she had a great relationship with Judge Sullivan that she thought she sincerely, I think she sincerely thought that it was a no brainer, which it probably was. I mean, if you're going to play by the rules. <laughs> uh, so she, she just, I, I think was naive and didn't realize for some reason as to how, uh, let's say, uh, dirty that <laughs> Judge Sullivan was. And because I'll tell you what, she seemed utterly like uh, jaw dropped on the floor by uh, what Judge Sullivan did to her. I mean, he, I mean, wow. I, I was like, my jaw dropped because I'm like, wow, for lack of a better word, he big slapped her. Let me tell you something. He was, he was ruthless. Man, he, he chewed her up and spat her out. Wow. Whoa. He was brutal. What really works in professional wrestling think she didn't it. <laughs> is when two guys are really good friends with one another <laughs> and they can work really well with one another to make it look like they're really beating the shit out of one another, but they're really not. You know, that, that's, that's an angle to that, that sort of uh, relationship that she may have had with Sullivan here that I would propose. But uh, it even says here in this little thing before we move on, it says, uh, but perhaps the worst sign of Sullivan's frustration with uh, this ploy comes way at the end of his order where he says explicitly that Flint's case does not resemble that of Ted Stevens, where we started all this, even though Powell has tried to make that claim over and over. So, yeah, she even threw that out there. But uh, uh, move. Oh, my God. You just made me think, mm. though. Number six. Oh, my God. Okay. You you know what? Oh, oh, my gosh. Wow. You know what? You just. Wow. Talk about epiphanies. Wait a minute. So then my question would be, how did. Uh, how did uh, General Flynn come to retain Sidney Powell. Who made that recommendation? Ooh. <laughs> just thinking about a relationship to what you just said about the, you know, wrestling thing. Ooh, okay. So that that's powerful. All right. Yeah. You see where you see where I'm going with well, that? Please no, do do explore that. So I, so, no, because I just because I just backtracked, mm -hmm. right? Because I thought I thought she was sincerely like Oh my God, but you just made that powerful thing that, okay, people who are friends, you know, and then they, you know, uh, orchestrate or, you know, put this show on, yeah, right? Better to make it look real and so, than somebody that knows you, right? Somebody that knows what makes you like kind of go off from what would make you kind of look bad or anything. Wait, wait. Oh, just to think about this. So, <clears throat> so again, how, who connected? General Flynn to Sidney Powell. And think about this. Linwood. Okay. What if, Ooh, was it Linwood? What? Was mm. it? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. But if you, audience, uh, get at that, us in the comments well, that, for that, that one. That yeah. yeah. Please, audience, if you're out there researching well, uh, things, uh, please get at us in the comments. I mean, that's another yeah. twist. But if anybody, if anybody remembers this, um, uh, when it was about the pardoning and everything, Sidney Powell actually went on video and said, no, he's not, General Flynn will not be accepting any pardon. She actually went on a video and said that. Right? 
Now, that's another piece of the puzzle, isn't it? Wouldn't that be strange? I mean, that she had, you know, actually thought that he didn't need a pardon? Really? You thought he didn't need one? Hmm. So I'm just saying. I, <laughs> it's funny how things end up, isn't it? It goes. <laughs> well, yes, but, but, my video. Ooh. requested my video this week general flynn oh really yeah the sullivan video where it's put out flynn has it now so he's okay well well so anyways it goes so i'm just saying it goes to your brilliant point number six about sometimes you know you think they're good friends and well you don't know that they're friends the, the, the people on the outside don't know it, but uh, how they, when they are, in fact, good friends, how they can make things look like something that it's not. And yeah, put on a good show. Wow. I don't know. Some of these pieces make very good questions, don't you think? I'm just saying. I don't know the answers, but I'm just saying something's not well, right. Something I've uh, definitely picked up from all of you uh, on this panel here tonight um, that you've taught me. Sort of to not take things for granted, you know, whenever you look at anything that, that a lot of people do that, it, it says on paper what the rules are. So people just follow the rules. Well, why? <laughs> and who wrote the fucking rules? And why are we subject to them? <laughs> there's, there's our uh, shout out to Gar Goldsmith there, but um, let, let's move on to this last article before we get to Gary's video. And uh, this one I wanted to include, of course, again, the New York Times abundance of January 6th evidence collides with suspects' right to speedy trials. Judges have begun pressing prosecutors as they continue to make arrests in the biggest investigation in the Justice Department's history. Oh boy. Now this is from Alan Fuhrer. Um, this is August 10th, 2021. As the case of Timothy Hale Cusinelli. <laughs> you wonder why I'm picking this one? Shout out to Victoria. Yeah, Oh, it gets juicier. It gets way juicier. I'm so glad I found this. A suspect in the January 6th riot was poised in late July to drag into its seventh month without much progress. The presiding judge lost patience with the prosecutor. The government, he suggested, had created a kind of vicious circle. <laughs> really? Mr. Hale Cusinelli, a Hitler impersonator, they call him. accused of storming the Capitol, was in jail awaiting trial, even as prosecutors kept filing charges against new defendants in the riot. The more arrests that were made, the judge, Trevor N. McFadden, reasoned, the more evidence generated that needed to be given to the defense. And the more evidence that had to be turned over, the longer it would take to resolve Mr. Hale Cusinelli's case. Trying to assuage Judge McFadden, the prosecutor noted that the investigation of January 6th was a uniquely challenging ordeal, and that handing over all of this so-called discovery material was an important part of the legal process. The judge was not impressed, it says. Freedom, <laughs> in quotes it says, damn it, freedom is also important. He shot back. Oh, oh goodness. 
That exchange was emblematic of a legal tension simmering in a number of cases stemming from the Capitol attack. It has, in essence, pitted the government's Herculean efforts to gather and organize the evidence collected in its sprawling investigation of the riot against the constitutional right of defendants to speedy trials. It is rare for cases to be dismissed for speedy trial infractions, but it, if proceedings continue to drag on, detained defendants like Mr. Hale Cusinelli could be released as their cases move through the courts. There are any number of ways to describe the scope of the government's capital riot prosecution. To name just one, the Justice Department has brought charges against over 560 people, more than in any other single investigation since its founding in 1870. Moreover, because much of the riot was caught on camera, we're going to talk about that, and social media, talk about that too. The amount of discovery material it has created has also been enormous. Prosecutors have collected tens of thousands of hours of video footage from surveillance cameras inside the Capitol and from body cameras worn by the police. There are disks full of cell phone tower readings, flash drives of radio transmissions, hundreds of thousands of tips from individuals, and reams of texts and photographs from thousands of cell phones seized by federal agents. The government has said that it has gathered more than 1 million posts from the conservative social media app Parler alone. Complicating matters. And here we go, folks. For all of you that are viewing, you get to enjoy this. This is the unedited photo. I swear to you, on the New York Times of Timothy Hale Cusinelli, which if not, if you, if you didn't watch the interview uh, with Victoria White, please go and do so. Um, but you know, this person is associated with the Patriot Freedom Project. When she brought this fact up that's been reported now in NPR and also now the New York Times, this kind of matters. Just saying. People see it. Um, would you want your charity to be associated with this motherfucker? I don't think so. So when you speak up about it and you're attacked for it, I want to know, I really want to know, why would she be attacked for it? Hmm. Is this guy a plant? I don't know, but I'd love to fucking find out. Now it says, complicating matters, the rioters on January 6th moved as a mob, often working in proximity or concert. That has meant that much of the discovery's data is overlapping and interlocking, as prosecutors have said, and needs to be shared with multiple defendants. I'm just going to scroll. Ask that shit. It doesn't compare to any case that has ever occurred in the history of our government, a prosecutor said at Mr. Hale Cusinelli's hearing. To organize the material, the government has established a squad of prosecutors, the Capitol Breach Discovery Team, which meets regularly with counterparts in the Washington Federal Defender's Office. In May, it also signed a contract with Delot Financial Advisory Services to create a database. Oh, goody intended to allow defense lawyers to find evidence related to their clients and search for videos by location on the Capitol grounds. But the process of setting up the database has not been smooth or quick. Judge McFadden ribbed the leader of the discovery team, Emily A. Miller, on Monday in court. I don't envy you your job, he added. She responded, no one does. Oh, nice little drama there. 
While several judges have questioned prosecutors about speedy trial concerns and have promised consequences if delays persist, Judge McFadden, a Trump appointee, has been the most consistently and vocally critical of the government. The hearing on Monday, for example, came in the case of Coy Griffin, the founder of a group called Cowboys for Trump, who is not in pretrial custody and was recently offered a deal, here we go, to plead guilty to the charges he is facing. Lisa, anytime now, if you want. The fact that Judge McFadden raised concerns about the pacing of this case, which appears to be on a path toward resolution, suggested that he might have broad problems with how the government was conducting its prosecution overall. Ms. Miller began the hearing by laying out the familiar litany of discovery materials the government had collected, videos, texts, photos, social media posts, and then suggested it was in the interest of Mr. Griffin and other defendants to allow prosecutors time to call through the evidence for them. In a filing that morning, she and a colleague had made a similar argument, writing that whenever delays occurred, they were at least partly caused by prosecutors searching their files for potentially exculpatory evidence. There's that term again. Like images of officers hugging or fist-bumping rioters. But, <laughs> yes. Take it to context, all right? Take it to context. The uh, date of this article, though. That's, uh, let's see, almost a year yeah. ago. August 2021, right? Interesting. Uh, when we can now take into perspective, let's see. Uh, Judge McFadden really... Um, Let's see, given his findings that he made on uh, Coy uh, Griffin, um, you know, it's a little bit weird that he thinks that he actually found Coy uh, guilty of, of anything. I mean, the guy was on the grass giving a that was in no way incendiary or anything. And a week later, um, I think it was, uh, last name was Martin. They, uh, he had, uh, he did a bench trial on that one and found the guy. He went into the, uh, into the Capitol not guilty, but it just so happens that the guy happened to be some kind of law enforcement person. I don't know. You see, you people want to say Trump appointee as if that makes a difference. Please, there's some. <laughs> this is just wrong. And notice, uh, there's no, uh, I don't recall hearing uh, Judge McFadden uh, over this past year being in an uproar about this speedy trial thing. And I'll tell you who, who definitely is not is judge Emmett Sullivan, <laughs> because when I heard his hearings on the J six regarding speedy trial, uh, he could care less. No, these judges, they totally just trample anything that has to do with the constitution as if it doesn't even exist. 
Yeah. And I would just say that I wanted to get to a, a point here too. And uh, this part of the article, just speaking of uh, Emmett G. Sullivan, it says a couple weeks ago, a lawyer for Robert Geiswin, a Colorado man who was among the first rioters to break into the Capitol, urged Judge Emmett G. Sullivan to keep what is known as the speedy trial clock running in the case. Under federal law, a trial must begin within 70 days of the defendant being formally indicted, though the clock can be paused for various reasons. So various reasons could be anything, right? Um, echoing Judge McFadden, Mr. Geiswin's uh, lawyer, and Mason Rigby told Judge Sullivan that the delays were the fault of the government, which kept arresting people, increasing the amount of evidence that had to be collected, processed, and turned over to the defense. Judge Sullivan, however, saw the matter differently. He suggested that the fault lay not in the number of the government's arrests, but in the number of rioters who breached the Capitol. <laughs> the problem, he said, started on January 6th itself. <laughs> Did he really just say nothing there? Like, this goes to your um, idea about him just having blinders on, though. Because, like, if he's just spouting that type of vapid shit, like, is is he just doing, like, a Kamala Harris there? Is he just throwing some snow up in the air and, and like, like, a, like, a, like a ninja with a smoke I'm bomb sorry. and running away? Did you, did you say blinders on? <laughs> blinders. Did you say blinders on? Because, I, because I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, uh, is there a reason why he's still there? Because if I remember correctly, in 2020... Let's see. He was supposed to, he made a big formal announcement about retiring and does not. And, and let's see, who's the, the who's the uh, AG? Let's see. Um, what, what was that judge's name? Who, who sat on the uh, appellate court regarding the dismissal? Does it begin with a G? Uh, of <laughs> a G. G. Yet. Yeah, yeah, Garland. Oh, that's it. Judge Garland. Now, let me ask you a question. Does anybody not find it a little bit weird that uh, appellate court justice wants to go back to being a, a prosecutor? Is that not a little weird? I'm just thinking that's a I don't know. I'm just thinking if I'm a if I'm an appellate court judge, would I really want to go back to being a lawyer? I mean, judges are lawyers, but, you know. They got that fancy schmancy uh, black robe, you know. It's so Judge Emmett Sullivan, who has a, you know, who if you listen to uh, the hearings in the appellate matter with uh, Flynn and so forth, Garland was uh, Judge Emmett Sullivan's biggest fan, you know. He did a lot of uh, uh, fanboying, I think, just saying. So, now you have Judge, you have, I'm sorry, I, <laughs> Judge Garland, who's now a G. Garland, uh, over the J6ers, and you still have Emmett Sullivan still there. Hmm. I think this is more than just blinders. I think this is called <laughs> doing things behind the scenes. Just saying. So, John Henry, we've uh, established now that uh, Judge Emmett Sullivan has been involved in some of the fucking craziest stories <laughs> uh, concerning elections, the balance of power in our country, um, <laughs> stolen elections, multiple stolen elections, possibly uh, any, any shock, 
any uh, horror on your end there uh, of this? <laughs> I'm so shocked. I am so horrified. I never thought such a thing could happen. John Henry, don't fall over. <laughs> I know. Somebody uh, catch him. <laughs> Wait till a possible story coming out about little kids. Oh, hold oh, Just it, ne- it never ends, man. It's. You know, it, when you look at it over and over and over and, and you see that these people are a protected class, you know, that's the part that just, it's just fucking sad. You know, it's we sad for the Americans. around that whole place and keep mm. them there. That'd be <laughs> fine. Just yeah, George Carlin kind of had that idea about prisoners and stuff. You just do it differently. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's that they just continue on and on and on and on and on. And unfortunately, it's, you no, know, you have the... uh is it uh, the fox and the chicken coop, <laughs> you know? And the thing is, it's it's the owners of the house that put the damn fox in the chicken coop. And they so paid it to be there um, with our money. <laughs> it's just hard. It, it, it just, it's so disheartening because it's like when, when or if is the change going to happen, you know? And, and as we continue down this road, it's, um, God, man, it just, it blows my mind that these people can be, career criminals under the guise of being the face of justice in any capacity. I mean, it really is unbelievable. And it just goes to show that the whole entire thing is just one massive coordinated effort. You know, earlier, Lisa had made the comment that I hate talking about, you know, Republicans and Democrats because it's all the same thing. Yeah. It's just the right wing and the left wing of a giant shitbird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a shitbird, And, um, you know, and that's what we're dealing with right now. So, uh, you know, what's really trying is I wish that I was shocked by something like this. Like, I wish I was surprised and go, my gosh, there's no way. But you think about the time that we've spent tonight in this conversation and how many of him are out there? We're just talking about one. This is one example. I can guarantee that there's a multitude of these exact same people that exist, right, on in all different levels of government and, and law and justice. And, you know, it's, it's a fucking rigged game, man. That's what sucks about it. it it's a rigged game. Somebody's counting cards and that somebody isn't us. You know, and it's even now. worse when you're a whistleblower. Can I just tell you that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It ain't pretty when it was, <laughs> at yeah. least, at least in the COVID uh, 19 situation, you have the uh, doctors who get retaliated, okay? Yeah, and, Simone Gold. Uh, but they're, but they're a group, though. But but there's a group of doctors who actually band together and are standing together, all right? Okay? Uh, and this legal uh, <laughs> fiasco, I, I'm standing alone, man. I'm telling yeah. you, I am standing alone. It's hard. You don't know who your friends are. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the scary things, like even psychologically about this, as we were, you know, having a discussion before we started um, the podcast today, just about, you know, the importance of staying positive. Because when you look at these things, it's part of the reason why I feel like more people don't invest themselves into understanding what we spend the time in understanding is because that's a scary fucking place. And it's a very lonely place, especially when you look at, you know, just the, the propaganda that's the news and how indoctrinated people are. It's like, man, I feel like I'm alone on a fucking deserted island. Because if I share my opinion, you know, everybody around me is going to look at me like I'm the crazy person. Because I've been painted that way. 
right? So anybody that's, you know, actually objective, does their own research, wants to understand how things actually are working right now and what the truth is, going back to that truth word, um, you know, we get categorized as this thing, not as somebody that, again, is educating themselves and, and really trying to look at a, a big overview of what these scenarios are and what they mean and the type of impact they had on us. Everybody just looks at you like you're a nut. Yeah, right. And, that, and that's a hard <laughs> oh, thing. Did you say nut? <laughs> yeah. Big old nut. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, yeah. Can I can I give a positive a positive uh, light on this? Yeah. If please. people do take take the time to actually understand uh, this great forum that that you guys put together here, judges really do care about when people are listening in or are present in the courtroom. Yeah. And I, I'm. It's, it's amazing. It is amazing how they behave better when they know other people or not when when the general public <clears throat> is listening. And I'm not just talking about like other litigants. No, I'm just talking about people who have no skin in the game, so to speak, <clears throat> as to things that are going on on that particular day in the courtroom. That's good. So, that, I that's mean, not something I mean, that uh, I've done. number six. Number six uh, was able to hear a little bit uh, of, it, of, <laughs> of my June 21st hearing uh, before the uh, federal court, trial court. And Number six, how many times did the judge ask Lisa to stop yelling? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> was that one of those, uh, I'll hold you? Pretended, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. She pretended like I wasn't there. She said, she said, she had. Said to, to the to the opposing counsel, who's the uh, assistant bar counsel, uh, like almost like I wasn't there. And she said, "Well, she is pro se, like a child." <laughs> I said, "Excuse me, a very proficient legal uh, uh, <laughs> accomplished person who has." Had many victories. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you. They, they did treat you like you were a lesser person. Like, like you didn't have any of the uh, accomplishments that 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 you have. Um, that they really just dismissed you. Um, and that's 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 a yeah. common theme that I see in a lot of these creeps, though. Um, in in, in legal profession and in the political profession or whatever, is that they they just they, a lot of them they do get really overconfident. And our friend Silas Guthier has brought that up too. Is that you know he believes that uh, you know they've overplayed their hand a bit too. So that that also gives me encouragement that uh, that there is some positivity to what we're doing right now because we can we can expose these people to others and we can have our community lift us up. Their behavior is so flagrant now. There's such a sense of arrogance with these people now. Exactly, and And that's and that's and that's why this is so important that actual people everyday people be able to listen in for themselves um, because it is a wake-up call and, and, and it has such a uh, positive effect for people who are going through this. Light is the best disinfectant. Sorry, John Henry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I know no, this is no, a terrible no, habit. I, I totally Go ahead. agree with you and, <laughs> you know, and, and just kind of, you know, to, to finish my point, but also along with everything that you said, you know, that's why as we navigate through this, this sense of community is so critical, right? Because you can get lost in the static really quickly. So, you know, it's just a beautiful thing for us to be able to have this conversation with you guys, 
you know, to spend this time and for us to teach each other things and have different levels of expertise in different areas. And really that's where our strength is, you know, when we look at it, because, you know, it's, it's not a matter of I'm trying to be, um, you know, depressing or pessimistic, but sometimes it gets really overwhelming. And, you know, when you talk about light is the best disinfectant, that's when we do have a chance to, to learn from each other and feel that support. And that's so key to everybody because, you know, that's what really can help somebody start to kind of embrace the understanding of, hey, the world as I know it, it really isn't what I've always thought it was. You know, and that's an extraordinarily intimidating thing. You know, I was having this conversation with my wife about this and even my mom. You know, it's so crazy is, you know, we start to delve into these things. Number six and I start the podcast. When my brother calls me, goes, hey, man, that's crazy what you guys are talking about. Check this article out that I found. And even my family members, you know, and then my mom goes, hey, I was talking to somebody at work about this. And it's really that networking that, you know, can start to give you some confidence in that, that you know, it's okay to understand and recognize mass corruption because really that has to be done first before we can start to proceed forward, before we can start to make any type of impact is we have to have that understanding of it because ignorance won't get us anywhere. You know, and unfortunately that's that veil that most people live under right now is it's a total veil of ignorance where it's not even a matter of, uh, I don't know, it's a matter of, because I've heard this from people in, in so many conversations, I don't want to know. I'd rather not know, right? Uh, you know what? I'm not doing anything wrong. It doesn't matter if they're, you know, recording everything I do on my phone, my computer. <laughs> I'm not doing anything wrong, right? So it's that ignorance is bliss thing. And that's why the educational part and the communal part is just so critical to what we do. I mean, it really is. So, you know, when it comes down to it, as we go through that, you know, sometimes as, as I, I talk about these things and express things, you know, that there is a little, I don't know if sadness is the right word, but it's just like, you feel like you're getting your ass kicked, you know, and indirectly, it's like an ass kicking from every different angle. And, um, and, and that's sometimes that's a tough thing to do. And that's why, you know, having conversations, fortunately, you know, number six is one of my lifelong best friends. And we've always been pretty in step with, you know, politically and understanding. That doesn't mean we agree on everything. We don't, right? But it's at least that, you know, we know that it's the right thing to do is go, hey, man, what are your thoughts on this? And even if we have, you know, something that we're not on the same page as, at least we come to an understanding and it teach each other something in that conversation. You know, and that's that part that's important because, you know, the other piece of it is sometimes I see people that, you know, are kind of in, in our community or in line with our understanding of how we educate ourselves. And they go way too hard in the paint and they don't know how to draw that line and have that conversation. They want to fight and go, well, you're a fucking idiot if you got vaccinated. No, 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 no. And I've said this so many times that that is not the way to have that conversation, right? The, the easiest way to have the conversation is, you know, attorneys, what makes a great attorney? Well, you ask questions that you know the answer to that are going to be in your favor, so, you know, that's the best way to realistically have these conversations. Go, hey, man, what are your thoughts on this? Did you guys do any research on it? What did you do for your family? You know, and people are so much more receptive to that. So it's not the right thing to just, you know, go out and stand on a corner and scream everything is corrupt, you know, and <laughs> with a giant sign that says uh, Bill Gates is trying to depopulate, right? But it's really just having those simple conversations with people because what you don't realize all the time is that, what your one conversation will develop into your one conversation with somebody, even if you don't know them well, 
Well, that might develop into a small, short conversation with two other people. Those two other people may talk to five other people. And at the end of the day, without even knowing it, by just having a simple, calm, you know, don't let your emotions get into that, that conversation or that dialogue, that may develop into a hundred conversations in a thousand conversations. And eventually it might be 10,000 conversations. And then as time goes by, well, then you look at just that one piece of dialogue that you had with somebody that might change the world a little bit, right? I, you know, by default, even without that direct narrative with somebody or direct conversation, you know, hell, I mean, I may have had a conversation with somebody at work that in turn, now that's somebody that may listen to the podcast and, that, and there's no idea that, you know, that, that all got initiated by that one thing. And, and that's why our community is so important. And I, and I just, I love having these conversations with people like you guys. And, you know, and, and I was talking to number six about, you know, how much time Gary has spent on reviewing footage for this. Yeah. Thing. Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. I, I, I don't think that very many other people that aren't directly involved with that investigation in the world will ever spend that kind of time. So it's so incredible to now have that resource that somebody can go, Hey, ch- hey guys, check this out. Right. So, and it's only, again, it's only that dialogue and, and just us really genuinely being a community. And I'm not trying to sound like a broken record, but it's so critical. And it's also so critical to just your mental state, you know, because I can only imagine that, if somebody starts to kind of go down the rabbit hole that we all have now been down for an extended period of time and they don't talk to other people out of fear of maybe embarrassment, that's psychological fucking torture. I couldn't imagine like having to sit there and dwell on that by yourself and getting stuck in your head. We all know, you know, that begins, you know, you made a comment <laughs> earlier, Lisa, they don't want to see what's in my head, right? I- I'm sure we all feel that way. Because we all have that dark shit in there, and I don't necessarily mean the evil tendencies, but just, you know, dark, whether it's self-deprecating or questioning, am I doing enough or, you know, do it, am I doing the right thing? Should I just say, fuck all of this stuff and just go try to live the happiest life I can? You know, those are the things that we don't want to get stuck to because that can be more detrimental to us than anything that these people are trying to do to us because then we just implode internally. Right? And that's, you know, you look at, you know, the greatest countries in the world. Well, the defeat, a lot of times it has to do with that internal collapse. And we see that right now. Right. But that's there's no difference between that and your mental capacity is you can have that internal collapse. So, you know, that support, that love that, you know, we all make it a point to share and and do as much as we can and have those conversations. And, you know, I've said many times on here, it's amazing how I'll make a subtle statement to somebody that maybe I don't know well. And they'll come back and go, it, we'll just use the, just, you know, the vaccination thing's a really good example right now. And they'll go, hey, man, um, I'm not vaccinated. Are you? And I go, well, no. You know, I just, I made that decision not to. Next thing you know, this guy's going, hey, and did you hear about this? And, and they knew about Epstein Island 20 years ago. And, and I'm like, holy shit. Like, and I can see like the almost childish excitement for them to just be able to get all that shit off of their chest. Yeah. You know, and it's just cool to have an opportunity to be a sounding board and uh, and do it for each other, man. So to me, I feel like in this fight, that's our number one obligation. And I've shared that so many times and I'll stick to it. You know, I'm an absolutely firm believer. And that's the most critical thing that we can accomplish and do right now is having conversations and building our community. You know, we, it's, it's like stacking the bench when you look at professional sport teams, right? If they load the bench with the top players, well, that they're, they can't be beat. 
And that's really what we're doing right now on a massive scale is we're just stacking our bench. And that's what we are. That's why we're talking to you guys. You know, and that's why you're on here. That's why Gary's on here. That that's our bench, right? You know, that's why, you know, guard and, and Silas and, and all these guys that we're just loading our damn bench up so we can have a winning team, you know, and it, and sometimes it takes time to develop that. But, you know, everything we're doing right now is it's an investment in ourselves, and an investment in our future and our country's future and in our children and our grandchildren and all of that. So, um, you know, I just I love the opportunity to do all this stuff. So, you know, outside of my, hey, sometimes this shit feels hopeless. Right. Well, that's the hope portion of it. That's so important for us to all remember. Um, so thank you guys for being on here. I want to say that I really appreciate that's, your time. That's a great, uh, that's a great place to be in as we go into this. Cause I think you lifted us back up a little bit and, uh, we're going to be, uh, Gary, I'm going to turn it over to you for this part of your, uh, video here, buddy. And, uh, this, this, uh, do you want, would you rather have me just play the video and then stop it so you can add some commentary, my friend? Or would you rather me uh, play it and uh, just mute it and have you provide commentary through it? What would you prefer, sir? Oh, yeah. You, yeah, you can just play this. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll get it. If not, we'll, we'll discuss it or I'll bring it. Excellent. Something. Okay. I just, yeah, just awesome, play man. it. Yeah. All right. I'm excited. I, I wasn't given a preview on this, Gary. All right. Oh, there's so many. Everybody see that okay? This has been a long and hard-fought trial. The department is proud of this team, not only for this trial, but for the investigation which led to it. This investigation continues, as does our commitment to holding elected officials accountable when they violate our laws. Thank you. The government's ill-gotten verdict in the case not only cost that public official his bid for re-election, the results of that election tipped the balance of the power in the United States Senate. Judge Sullivan linked the government's actions to this case, its stance concerning terrorism suspects being held by the U.S. military in Guantanamo Bay. Whether you are a public official or a private citizen or a Guantanamo Bay detainee, the judge said the government has an obligation to produce exculpatory evidence. In nearly 25 years on the bench, I've never seen anything approaching the mishandling and misconduct I have seen. Stolen election, terrorism, exculpatory evidence, mishandling, misconduct. Sound familiar? Remember Ted Stevens. Justice Department here in Washington has just released, released video on January 6th. The Justice Department on Friday releasing video. Ryan, tell us what we're seeing. Ryan, tell us what we're seeing. Well, if it seems uh, each passing day, the Department of Justice releasing video that is even more shocking than the video we've already seen. The Justice Department on Friday releasing video of officers being brutally beaten by Capitol rioters while trying to help someone who had collapsed. What happened here on January 6th, this particular video shows a police officer who actually had gone into the mob to try and help a woman who had died of an apparent drug overdose. If you've done the work that M5 News has, you'll find things like this in videos. Why is her face covered up in black and the evidence that follows? It shows officers in a tunnel. Here you see McAbee to the left. He drops the baton, blocks the punches from the police officers. There you see the baton dropping on the ground. He makes his way to Officer A.W. I'll tell you real quick, the reason I'm explaining it like this is, yeah, the reason I'm explaining it like this is because this is, 
I'm throwing the prosecutors under the bus with their transcript. Awesome. Okay. Because they say that he had the baton to hit the police with when it's not true. He just picked it up. He showed the police the baton and drops it, staring at him. Wow. And then uh, you see him blocking the punches from him. So everything that I'm explaining right here is contradicts everything that the prosecutor said, which is all a lie. They don't, what they do when they show it in court is they show it in regular speed and then they stop it and then they say, Judge, did you see what he just did and drug him down the steps? Basically, is what they're doing. Oh, no. Okay. Um, but when you see it in slow motion, you really see what happens. So by it, it's kind of like a sleight of hand. They're just like, I'm going to show you this race car going by super fast, but if you slow it down, you can actually see the moves that they're doing. You know, like there's. Yeah, and this is this video is part one. I got part two. Oh man, brother. With no objections by defense counsel, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Man, all right. Well, let's continue along. Um, you getting ready to pull on it? Where you see an officer at the bottom of the screen by the collar of AW, fixing to pull on him. At no time does Maccabee pull Officer A.W. into the crowd or the terrorists, as Judge Sullivan puts it. He called them terrorists. Yeah. Now, as he gets ready to grab a hold of him, Bolin's already pulling on Officer A.W. out of the grass right there of the other officer. A.W. is pulled by Mullins, not Maccabee. Maccabee now is reaching and pointing towards Roseanne. See him pointing towards Roseanne? He's grabbing for Roseanne. Now the officer here starts to pull on A.W. again, which pulls him into Maccabee. Maccabee is being sprayed right now. See him? He's still trying to reach for Roseanne and help her. That cop is moving A.W. towards the police. Knocking Maccabee off balance. Maccabee's being sprayed right now. Maccabee points, yes, telling him to stop. He's trying to save a woman. By his helmet in the, into the crowd. And, and really quickly, uh, Gary, just for the audience, the reason why they uh-huh. were trying to get to this Roseanne person that they mentioned here, for the, for the uninitiated, please, would, would you remind uh, everybody why they were trying to get to Roseanne and who Roseanne was? Yeah, they're trying to get to Roseanne to save her. She was underneath that pileup of people that the uh, officers caused. And you see the gentleman in the turquoise hoodie on the left-hand side of the screen there? That's... that's uh, yeah, right has. there. He's trying to get her up right yes. there, too. Okay. Um, I forgot his name. <laughs> uh, I got too many names in my head. Anyways. But, um, yeah, the uh, the footage that's fixing to come up okay. is, that's, yeah, right. go ahead. I'll, I'll wait and tell you about that. Before this, Shane Jenkins stood next to Victoria White, and he himself was hit in the head by the same captain that turned his attention to Victoria and viciously beat her. This was not the first time that day when he witnessed police officers hitting women in the head with sticks and batons. This is the moment when Shane Jenkins witnessed Officer A.W. <coughs> kick Roseanne's legs out of the way. Notice Officer A.W. reached down and pushed the guy in the backpack out of the way. Watch how far forward he goes. Then watch A.W.'s right leg come back. After kicking Roseanne's legs out of the way. 
this scene right here is almost like when I knew Lila took two to the ribs, two to the head. That's all I would say early last yeah. summer. Okay, I could, I could tell the way she's hitting, and she lead, and Lila Morris would lean forward to reach to hit uh, Roseanne's head. And uh, I know what he's doing right there. And there's, there's, I can't find any footage still that's showing it actually him doing that. But Shane has been adamant early, early 2021 about what happened here. And uh, I, I believe him. I know Shane. He's a friend of mine. And uh, so when he does this, is the reaction that they get from everybody. Um, and he's the officer also that made his way to the front to uh, save a woman who collapsed and died of a drug overdose. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, let, let's continue on then. Yeah. Kicks him in the ass. Isn't that nice? That footage is exculpatory. That's the footage they don't want released. That's part of it. Wow. It shows officers in a tunnel trying to make their way to a rioter who was later found to have died of a drug overdose. This video right here. Just uh, give everyone some context there, Gary. Uh, explain, please, yeah. why is this exculpatory evidence for the audience, just to make it clear? This is video that's not released by the DOJ or the FBI. I'll come out and tell it. Wow. Um, this is the evidence is uh, they didn't go there to save a woman. This is just a small clip. I've got more footage that's in the middle and on the other side. It shows Officer A.W. using his baton, pushing down on a guy on top of everybody, putting more weight on top of Roseanne. When a cop on his right, you see his boot on another person, pushing down on another person on top of Roseanne. They didn't go there to save a woman. They're there to kill a woman is what they were doing. My God. They didn't help her one bit. They did not one finger to help her. Not one. You heard that guy sitting there pleading. Over and over again, please save her, save her. And you can hear her laying there coughing. The reason she's coughing is she's inhaling all that pepper spray. And she had asthma too. And if you've never, I grew up with asthma. And I hate that cough. I hate hearing her cough like that because I know what she's oh, going that's a hard thing to hear. Gary, that, let me ask you a question. Is it yeah. confirmed that she died from a drug overdose? No, she didn't drive a drug overdose, huh? There's nothing found in her system. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, that's another story. But uh, 
Um, and do you believe that it was out. respiratory from the pepper spray? No, she was crushed. And that would contributed to it also, though, that pepper spray. Um, like what we're looking at right now, how we, how we see that those cops right there, uh, just imagine you standing right there and right behind you, there's a guy standing on a platform. There's like a little shelf area right there. He's the one that was above all the other cops and he was reaching outside the tunnel and hitting everybody with that long stick. Okay. He's the one he sprayed for almost three minutes straight while these people were piled up on top of each other. And that whole area was just soaked with it. And she's on the very bottom. So these guys are getting soaked with it. It's coming off of them and getting down on her. Um, that's like when Maccabee got up a while ago because he was getting sprayed and he yells at him that he's trying to uh, save, save a woman is what he says. I'm trying to help save a woman. And they're sitting there spraying him and someone takes a swing at him with one of those batons. But this video, this footage right here is, uh, they don't want you to see this. And it's, and I'll have it all out here. You know, that's what I'm doing right now is just putting a bunch of this stuff together so I can start putting it out because it has to. The only way these guys are going to get anything fair at all is for us to put this footage out there and hopefully it grows. And Especially because the defense attorneys aren't even putting, putting it on the record, which is the worst of the worst. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And they've had this. They've had this. They've been sitting on it. Not, they're not doing nothing. Go to work. <laughs> No, I mean, Lisa. No, it's not go to work. It's called raise money. It's called these people sabotaging. Yeah. Oh, repeat that, Lisa. You this broke is... up a little bit there. Oh, I'm sorry. It, it, they're sabotaging. Oh, hey. The the, the clients. That was definitely the term I, I liked from uh, our experience with Victoria when talking about what's going on with the Patriot Freedom Project with sabotage, and uh, I just think that 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 word fits this very well that it just seems like they they shouldn't fuck up this bad especially if they're at this at like anything at this level but is it is it really like is our John Henry you talked about this a little bit too like is our faith in the system still like are we still a bit naive when we look at something like this and just expect it to somehow make fucking sense <laughs> what well, just what doesn't make sense to me is how can all of these defense attorneys be complicit like, is there They're not making some money right now? Dude. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just crazy. It's called the club. It's called this is the exact problem. Why uh, this cesspool is the way it is? You know, it's when because, I came back from Florida, oh, go ahead, Lisa. Go ahead. Uh, no, I, I, it, it, most attorneys, even if they're not directly uh, doing the dirty deeds, the mere fact that they're turning a blind eye and allowing it to happen. Um, they're just as complicit and they care more about their uh, livelihood than they do uh, humanity. Oh. And I would be like the mainstream media. If I was to change a timestamp, if I was to manipulate a video, um, I don't care if you're a police officer pastor <laughs> um left or right if i cuss if, if you've done something wrong well you're gonna have to pay for it if i got it on video i'm gonna show it i don't care who you are you know it's because 
everybody should want the truth and what's going on. And it's, and if we don't stand up and, and it's, when I got, I'm going to tell you something, I got back from Florida from Peter Tickton's office and it didn't go as what I thought was going to happen, you know, um, but I knew I was to watch and listen. I'll just say that when I landed in DFW, I came back. Um, I, when I walked outside, I didn't want to go home. I, I just like I hit a wall. I didn't even feel like I was at home. And uh, I was talking to somebody on the phone and uh, I told her to hold on a minute because I was praying and everything. And <laughs> God spoke to my heart and says, so how are the attorneys working out for you? Because I kept trying to help attorneys to get them to listen to me and, and uh, then come back from tickets. But <laughs> God said, so how are the attorneys working out for you? And I just chuckled like I do right now every time I remember it. And, well, they're not working out. And he says, no. And then God spoke my heart says, my people are going to do this. My people, my people, my people. And that's when I changed. Uh, that was back in February, I think. Um, and that's what it's going to be. And, you, and I can see it happen with a bunch of people that are you know, doing similar things that I'm doing is that they've separated themselves and going more out on them on a limb, I guess you could say, or whatever, you know, just trying to get these stories out. And uh, because that's what we have to do. It's, it's the way I approach them now, these these uh, videos, like when I helped Chris Royal, I went off a statement of facts. And that's what I would do. I'd go off a statement of facts because the timestamps have changed in the statement of facts. There's some people with blacked out faces in some of the statement of facts, uh, which anyway, but um, so that's what I did. When, uh, Sarah got me the... Uh, the transcript for this the, for the court because I already knew Maccabee's story. I already knew some things that he said when he was on top of AW. Um, so I went off of the transcript. That's how I made this video. So it's basically, I just kind of envision myself in a courtroom and I'm getting, I'm talking, I'm talking to the judge and but basically it's to the people. And that's how I'm putting this out now because these guys sitting in jail aren't getting this right here. Like they should be. They're totally getting the opposite, not even getting help from their attorneys. Well, to all the members. Let the record stand. Uh, For the record, people say, why am I, uh, you know, I guess they want to call me an armchair lawyer. The only reason why that I haven't had the uh, ability to go boots on the ground myself is only because... (laughs) being retaliated by the mass bar you know that's the thing that uh, probably crushes me the most the fact that I have to sit and uh, watch what's going on and uh, can only report it from the uh, from the outside well damn straight though I'd be there uh, proving it myself <laughs> but for but for the wonderful well we all play our roles in this community and uh you know you offering what you do lisa and gary as well and you know john henry being here with me every week um you know we're we're able to contact a lot of people out there that you know like john henry was talking about can have this conversation and spread the information about this because you're like Gary mentioned, the mainstream media is not going to give you this stuff. Um, the, the, the DOJ <laughs> isn't going to give you this stuff. Uh, I mean, the, you know, this, this footage is part of the 14,000 hours. It's unbelievable, man. Uh, let's, 
That's what this. Let, let's finish out the end of this uh, thing, and then I'll switch back to the panel for some uh, some quick reacts on one little thing I have set aside. It shows officers in a tunnel trying to make their way to a rioter who was later found to have died of a drug overdose. One appears to be dragged by his helmet in the into the crowd. This is Colt, otherwise known as Ronald McAbee, who Judge Sullivan called a terrorist in his courtroom. But how would Judge Sullivan know if exculpatory evidence is being hidden by the government counsel? Now, the gentleman in the gray hoodie that just stepped over the handrail comes down to grab the other leg of A.W. to pull him down along with McAbee. Here's where the judge says McAbee was a terrorist and the violent mob was terrorists. But the prosecutors did not play the audio of A.W. and McAbee talking during this point. McAbee's trying to save A.W., Prosecutors didn't play that in court. Would you like to hear that? Yeah. That'll be part two. Wow. Gary, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that with us, uh, my friend. Um, now, I do have something else of yours that you sent me to introduce to after seeing that um, and kind of setting up this um, this idea uh, of p putting evidence out there. Um, I have this video for everyone. Now, did that look familiar to uh, anyone watching? I hope that it did. I'd like to know their investigation. I would love to see what they've investigated. So, Gary, uh, just for the audience and everybody that just watched that too, maybe for the uninitiated, give us some uh, context here. What, what did we just see? That was, that was a piece of trim that was holding the plastic glass in there that they probably put up the day before because they knew they were going to bust it out. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. <laughs> but, that, but that was a piece of wooden trim off the window that was, it was hanging down. And, uh, I found that a few weeks ago. It, well, as a matter of fact, it was a couple of days after I had found the second gunman. Uh, well, you know, the second gunman in the background. And, uh, again, this is, this explains how I, I'm not I'm not looking for anything when I'm watching it. I just happen to notice something, a movement or whatever it is. And that's how I saw that because I'd never seen it before. And so what caught my interest was wanting to know which way that piece flew because of the second gunman. I was I wondered, you know, if there was a second shot. And so I was wanting to see if it flew towards her or if it flew towards the doors. And also was curious about if it was a full metal jacket or a hollow point, because it doesn't matter if it hits a twig or 
whatever it is, if, you know, if it's a hollow point, it's going to mushroom up and it's going to have, when I looked up all this, it'll have a nine to 12 degree change in its flight pattern, its trajectory. And, you know, everybody's talked about the angle he's shooting the gun and all that, but I even questioned it and wondered and everything, but um, the angle's right, how he's aiming. But they never, you know, you know what they do when they do an investigation. A lot of them, they'll put that, whatever that little 3D light thing, you know, whatever it is. But I even looked, I looked at it so much. And you see this, I've got a magnifying glass. And you'll see me a lot of times with this magnifying glass up to the screen, finding stuff that I see and seeing what it is. And uh, I was looking for bullet holes in the wall if there was something there because the person in the background um not bird but the other person in the background pulls a rifle and aims it at everybody and uh that was with intention to shoot and i was reading tonight a report that was done by the metropolitan police department over the ashley uh murder is what i'll call it and they said that um there's an officer that contradicted everything that the other officers were saying. The other officers were basically saying Bird had no Bird should have shot, basically. And um, this other cop, which was the one that was standing behind him in the background, said that he yelled out orders that he was going to shoot. Hey, such BS, because he didn't say a single word. But this other officer said that he was yelling out orders that he was going to shoot. He was going to shoot. And, uh, and this officer even said that bird shot twice. And I just read that tonight. And that's the first time I ever found anything on record that talks about another shot. Bird didn't shoot twice. He shot one time. It's obvious. And, uh, but I thought it was interesting why he said he shot twice. And this is the guy that's with the rifle saying this in the background um yeah he didn't have to shoot her but the the thing with the finding it where it hits that uh that piece of trim it's little things like that that bother me because you didn't hear the media talking about it and you didn't hear the media talking about that other officer that had the rifle and I wonder if they even did a true investigation on it because they never talk about it. And it's not even in this report about a second gunman or anything. Um, it goes back to that video that I saw today with uh, that guy talking about where he was, you know, about Ashley Babbitt and everything. Just being a smart ass is what he is. Oh, yeah. We, we, I think we all watched this uh, Twitter you know, uh, viral video of, yeah. about. It was actually linked to uh, something on Odyssey here. Uh, somebody that has a good good amount of followers, I think, now, uh, too, thanks to that type of, uh, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Like, it's just, uh, are they just shooting into the dark? Are they trying? Or is it just, is is it a bad work? Like, is is it just bad, per, you know, bad work altogether? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, well, it's true. You know, Lisa, I, that, that's, that's what I wanted to get your yeah. reactions uh, for that type of video that uh, Gary provided us there. 
Like after seeing something like that, and I'm sure you're somewhat familiar with the Ashley Babbitt uh, story there, Lisa, what would you, what would you take away from this? Like, is this something that, um, are we ever going to get a straight answer on when it comes to the investigation? Like Gary pointed out there, I mean, should we, should we look to that now? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Those defense attorneys doing their job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does is there a council for Ashley Babbitt's um, so, like well, a state that should be aware of these types of things? You know, do, who's who's representing the estate uh, of Ashley Babbitt right now? Well, that that's the interesting thing, and uh, gosh, so many things to <laughs> so many angles, and, and not to mention the lawsuit that that just suddenly disappeared, and the attorney went a wall. You know, he uh, got I don't know withdrew from the suit i don't know i mean talk about all the backroom things in that one i have no idea what's going sounds on sounds like that. they scared him off and why <laughs> would why would he just withdraw yeah, exactly what did they threaten him with it was a civil case <laughs> what, what could they have threatened him with how about child pornography on his personal computer oh, yeah oh they can plant go. that shit pretty much anytime they'd want to right right no, yeah, so yeah. i mean that whole the whole babbitt piece is you know, there's so much that doesn't add up there. And, you know, Gary, I, I know you referenced that as, as a murder. I'd, I'd call it an execution. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. these people weren't armed. And the only time that the Capitol Police are supposed to shoot somebody is if their life is an immediate threat. You saw right. how far her leg was out. Yeah. Already in there. You know, she's, oh. she's not going to harm anybody. Just no. And here's something that here's something that I think about, too. In that capital, that whole day, and this was before anybody showed up to those doors, but she was the first one to show up. They already had all that furniture piled up at that door, behind that door. There's not another place in that capital that had any furniture piled up to hold the doors closed. The only place was Pelosi's office where her employees were at. They were, in, they were inside the office that did that. Oh, but they, Nobody they, else in that whole place barricaded doors with furniture of course and and then had two shooters waiting that's the stage they funneled them in there you know it's no coincidence that that's you know basically staged that way speaking of no uh, (laughs) no coincidence um can we talk about playbook i mean uh with the execution style have we not lived through this already with uh what was that ruby ridge oh yeah oh yeah Setting a trap, mm-hmm. entrapment. I've been saying it for months. Wasn't an insurrection. It was entrapment. No, 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 no. Worse than no. I see entrapment. Okay, is when uh, some people were entrapped, which means uh, some people were were led into doing maybe wrong things. Okay, that's entrapment. Uh, a frame right up is when a person is actually completely innocent, did nothing wrong, and is framed up for doing something that's fabricated, right? Hey, so Lisa, would you mind cutting the barrel off of my shotgun? <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> unbelievable. It's well, unbelievable. speaking really of something is. kind of related to that, um, wh- one last uh, little final tidbit that I had set aside and uh, Lisa, I'm sure you'd uh, 
love to uh, chime in on this person's uh, too. Um, this is uh, something that I listened to this past week. It was on Odyssey as well. Um, this is from Disenthrall. Now, I've listened to a couple of those things before. I am a, I am a follower on Odyssey of Disenthrall here. Um, I believe he's some sort of uh, libertarian, uh, anarchist-type person. So, I, I listen to those sort of things. And he had on Mr. Stuart Rhodes from the Oath Keepers uh, calling from jail to call into his show. Now, I thought that that was interesting in itself, but what Mr. Rhodes talks about here um, in this particular section is something I, I did want to get some reactions on uh, real quick and good Gary's back. So I did, Gary, I wanted you to listen into this as well and maybe have any comment about right. what Mr. Rhodes says here. Uh, so let, let's, let's, uh, let's see what he says. Pitching ahead the hard objects. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and of course, goggles. But none of our people, like I said, you won't find any videos of, of any Oath Keeper in D.C. on January 6th kicking, punching, hitting a police officer with a pole, spraying him with anything. You'll find none of that because it didn't happen. It just didn't happen at all. And yet, we're the poster child for the supposed violence of, of J6. And I believe the reason is, is that the Uniparty on the left has had it out for us and for Proud Boys, too much the same reason, is that we're the two major groups in the country, they're nationwide, that consistently shut down Antifa on the streets. Wherever we go, they can't do anything. That's, the, that's just the reality. They hate both groups. All right. So I, I just wanted to play that little tidbit for you guys and get some reactions to what he said there. Um, is there video evidence of these people out there, the Oath Keepers, doing any wrong here, Gary, that you know of? No. Okay. And there's also, uh, there's, they're adamant, they're adamant about um, de-escalating Officer Dunn, who is throwing a fit and cussing at people. And they've, they even talked about how they thought Dunn was going to shoot somebody, the way he was acting. These, you got to remember, these guys are, most of them are, you know, ex-military. And so they understand body, you know, just, you know, they understand. So, they de-escalated Dunn and kept him from shooting anybody. And um, that's their story. And there is a little bit of footage that shows the uh, Oath Keepers there with Dunn and a bunch of other people walking through this little area. And- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to uh, take a different approach. Okay. And then there's a video that I watched and I saved but it didn't save, which um, pisses me off. But um, I I did see it with my own eyes. Um, Officer Dunn doing exactly what the Oath Keepers said he did. He had his rifle on him. He's yelling, MF this at the protesters. You MF that. Get the F out of here and all this. And a little black man, an officer, walked up to Dunn, put his hands on his shoulders, both hands. And Dunn just kind of squatted down and, Listen to him, and you can tell he's telling Dunn to you know settle down and chill out. And um, Dunn was he had snapped he, the way he was yelling at these, these protesters inside there. Um, I hope to hell I can get that footage, and I will. I'll get it, but uh, it backs up exactly what the old keepers have been saying about what they did with Dunn. Okay, well that that is a. Uh... That's that's the kind of answer that uh, man. I'm, I'm glad I got 
a chance to have this conversation with you, my friend, and have you be able to put that out to the audience. Lisa, you said you have a, uh, you have something different. Yeah. I'm going to take a different perspective okay. on that. Uh, what needs to be done is, is see that that's the narrative by just making the broad, uh, statement, you know, label Oath Keepers, uh, Proud Boys. Uh, there's a problem because from my perspective, it's a little bit disconcerting and suspicious that Stuart Rhodes wasn't arrested until how long after? All of a sudden. Very interesting. Um, and it seems to me that probably many of the members of those organizations were very innocent people. And I'm not so sure that those people, <laughs> uh, I'm thinking a lot of those people were actually entrapped and set up. Uh, but uh, so I wouldn't necessarily be singing the praises of Mr. Rhodes. And who's the cameraman? Who's the film? Who's the guy that owns the filming company that was there with Enrique that whole time and filming? And right. Oh, and we won't. And uh, we won't go into the into the lawyer thing either, because that's pretty suspicious. Also, the one down in the base parking garage filming. So, so you see how the organization it's. The people in the organization, okay, probably aren't bad people, but uh, there's some sort of setup going on yeah, within that filming. organization. The guy filming. That was straight right. up hired by the FBI to do that. Because he got his, he had, he, I almost said their name. He told somebody that, uh, that uh, the FBI came in and confiscated, he was so pissed off because they confiscated all his stuff. Um, I slip me right now, and 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 then it's uh, he uh, I mean he he te he gave testimony not long ago, and the footage that somebody was wanting me to get for them or to go to New York to help them get ended up being released, and uh, he was pissed off because it was released because they didn't get permission to release it. Man, what's his name? Come on, Lisa, help me out. Lisa, you're Gary's uh, bona friend here when it comes to the name. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm it's sorry. all right. It's late. <laughs> it's all right. It's late for all of us. I'm just getting yeah, started. Yeah, starting to rock. Oh but, my um, god, John John Henry. I hope I was somewhat. <laughs> Okay. Uh, no, no, John, John Henry. I, I wanted to get your your thoughts on this this Ray Epps situation because you've gotten to view it much from my perspective here, which is just from the outside of this. And Gary has a much different um, perspective on it. And then you know, Lisa always has her her perspective to offer us. But uh, <laughs> what is what is yours, my friend, on this? Uh, to me, it's it's crystal clear. You know, without seeing even a fraction of the footage. Uh, that you know Gary has had a chance to comb through is it was all staged. Um, you know, there's their agent provocateurs. The whole entire Ray Epps thing is just he's this this secret individual um, that nobody will answer questions about. 
we know that they were given the directive to go to the different places, the hugging, the fist bumping, all of that. Right. And, you know, it's interesting because as they're going through this ridiculous show trial, you know, the other piece of information that came out um, was with, I believe, Bannon's text messages. And they're talking about how there was a second stage for speakers to go to. So they were really directed into the Capitol to attack the Capitol in air quotes when that, in fact, wasn't what anybody's objective was. So, you know, when you look at it, these people have been so demonized. When you look at the footage that, you know, Gary showed with us where these people were, in fact, trying to de-escalate and even save this woman's life, that it was the Capitol Police that are the biggest perpetrators. Those are the criminals in this situation. I mean, for fuck's sake, they opened up the fences and the doors and walked these people into the building and told them, okay, we'll take pictures there, you know, but don't touch Nancy Pelosi's pen. It's just, it's just <laughs> you know, that, that West Terrace where all that took took place with Roseanne. There was two, I call it two halves. The first half was Fanone. Now I'm sure y'all have seen that video. And then the second half was Roseanne. Um, and I do have new footage that I found also um, on the opposite side of the terrace, looking down at Fanone with his gun out. So I've got that now too. Wow. So that backs it up so people can shove it. that think I was wrong about that. And so when I have stuff like that, I'll bring it out when I'm ready to, but it's, um, I'm ready to, I'm just, I'm just saying it just, it, this just gets so frustrating just to see this shit going on that, um, and you know, I'm sure Lisa's noticed it, and, I, and I've noticed it. You know, it's we need to come together and not try to be fighting one another with certain things or get pissed off because somebody releases something or finds something before they do, because none of the stuff that I put out gets shared when it should be shared. If they're for the J6ers, they'll share mm-hmm. it. They know who you. They know who I'm talking to. Well, I, was, I would suggest that there's underlying agendas in that game. Yeah, and and you know that's that's ridiculous. Um, you're not for a single J six or if you're not sharing the truth. Yeah, I think that's an incredibly important statement. You know, going back to our conversation about the truth, and you know, you look at uh, Nancy Pelosi declining uh, the National Guard support a couple of days leading up to it. You know, this was all done. I think that their hope and expectation was that it would turn into a violent crowd. And when that they'd realized that that was not their objective, they had to create one or fabricate one is really what it is. And the whole entire thing Mm -hmm. to me is just a a massive fabrication to, you know, demonize patriots, right? People that are Trump supporters. And we've seen that time and time again, that kind of goes back to what you're categorized as. And, um, you know, when they did, you know, those words, deadly insurrection over and over and over yeah. and over. John Henry, you know, you know what bothers me? Uh, only with regard to uh, Trump. It bothered me the fact that he uh, broadcasts and, you know, boasts and whatever about the fact that he he asked for supposed the National Guard to be there. And that, and that undercuts 
it throws a lot of the J6s under the bus. The fact that they keep on trying to say that he kept on insisting, insisting on that. Um, because well, I think that's a really as, important point. Right? Because, because he, that in itself is almost demonizing these people. Right. That, you know, exactly. that's like him saying, I had an expectation of a violent uprising. So I totally agree with you, Lisa. I think that's a. Or maybe really he important. thought the National Guard wouldn't put up with it. Maybe the National Guard wasn't in on the scheme, but the Capitol Police were. And by putting the National yeah, Guard there, okay. the National Guard would have mm-hmm. been a better move because they would have de escalated that situation a hell of a lot better. They wouldn't have walked him into the building. No, that's a good point, too. Right. <laughs> that's a great point. But he, need, but he needed to articulate that because the way. He the way he uh, the way it's Lisa, conveyed. Let's be fair. Now, listen, demonizing. I, I'm, a, I'm a big Trump fan, but when it comes to articulating things, I would not say that. Okay, that I know. I don't want. Let me give you two things real quick. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. I voted for him twice, and and um, so I'm still there. I'm just saying. Um, the uh, talking about. I here I go with my freaking head again. Um. Sorry. No, 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 you're fine. Um, y'all were just talking about it right before it. I just go on. I'll figure okay. it out. Well, maybe this will, will spark something because this is the last little bit I wanted to get everyone's reacts on. This lovely piece, again, from the New York Times. And this is uh, a Trump backer's downfall as the target of January 6th conspiracy theory. They say Ray Epps became the unwitting face of an attempt by pro-Trump forces to promote the baseless idea that the FBI was behind the attack on the Capitol. <laughs> Can you even fucking stand it, folks? That this organization, again, the New York Times, gets away with it again. And again, this is by Alan Fuhrer, who we've, we've heard from Alan twice, I believe, on this. Yeah, I want to do an investigation. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, perhaps we should do another deep dive on, on that person alone. But in, it says in the Rocky Mountains, up a winding country road in a trailer park a half mile from a cattle ranch lives a man whose life has been ruined by a January 6th conspiracy theory. It says that Ray Epps. That's when you know it's oh, the yes. truth. Yeah, absolutely. That, the truth, not the truth of what he's saying, but what he's saying is the truth about what we know. <laughs> this fucking article already. So they just. Idiots. <laughs> it says Ray Epps has suffered enormously in the past 10 months as right wing media figures. I guess that's us. And Republican politicians boo, have basically described him as a covert government agent who helped to instigate the attack on the Capitol last year. Now, it says strangers have assailed him as a coward and a traitor and have menacingly cautioned him. Oh, man, I I hate being menacingly cautioned, John Henry. Caution him to sleep with one eye open. He was forced to sell his business and his home in Arizona, otherwise known as cashing out. Uh, Fearing for his safety and uncertain of his future, he and his wife moved into a mobile home in the foothills of the Rockies with... This is such bullshit. (laughs) What was that guy, That this guy's first name, Fuhrer? Oh, Alan? I, yes, it's A L A N. F E U E R. Yeah, New York Times, man. Wow. I know. Yeah. So, 
And it says, uh, here's a quote, and for what? Lies? Mr. Epps asked the other day with a look of pained exhaustion. All of this, it's just been hell, he says. Almost from the... No, hell Hell <laughs> is all of the other J6 defendants that are sitting in fucking He's prison. Not a, the, the, That's hell. Now, now tell them about sitting in the foothills of the Rockies. Is that really, is that, really that bad? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've lived in the foothills of the Rockies. That's a pretty good life there. Yeah, I'm laughing the fact that they even gave up the location, so to speak. No, it's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know that's not I even know. remotely the case. It's just a scrim behind I him. Know, homes to a trailer house, <laughs> and the foothills where he was at is a nice, nice, nice place. Yeah, mind you, that's not a trailer house. He's standing in front of a $350,000 fucking luxury mobile yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, RV. Yeah. It's either a fifth wheel or a motorhome. Oh, that, that's a motorhome. There's, it's got the whole deal. <laughs> so he probably has a, a castle in the mountains somewhere wow. yeah. for his payoff. And, and we all we all know that those defense uh, attorneys, uh, oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're rushing to do the deposition of that guy, right? Yeah. We should okay. start a Gibson Go account for him to help him. <laughs> yes. I wonder if they note that later in here. Maybe the New York Times is in on the scene. I don't know, too. but I'm just my star one from <laughs> Well, they said first they pointed out at Antifa, the leftist activists who have a history of clashing with Mr. Trump's backers, who did not show up when the Capitol was breached, they say. Uh, then they tried to fault the FBI, which, according to those who spread the baseless tale, planned to attack to provoke a crackdown on conservatives. Now, they don't post anything refuting that but mr f61 was not just a bystander on january 6th he traveled to washington to back mr trump they say it was and was taped urging people to go out to the capitol and was there himself on the day of the assault now i know what you people out there that are initiated to this story are thinking where are the quotes of him from the video saying we need to go into the capitol and everyone chanting at him, fed, 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 fed. You know, I wanted to make that remix with uh, uh, Ted Cruz doing it too, but fuck Ted Cruz anyway. But uh, so, but that, Gary, anything to add to this that they would leave out such important things such as that? Like that they would just leave out the fact that he was. Yeah, because we're stupid and we would never notice it so they could carry Thank on. <laughs> this is what's so. They. This is. You know, it's Democrats. They, we know what's going on. If you know what I mean, and it's just, it's like they just, it's almost like an intentional type thing, just to please piss me off is what it does. But you know what I mean? It's just, it's just so aggravating because we they're see like, we're going to get Gary, that son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they see the wrong. They see what's going. You know, with, these people are making laws. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's so distracting um, to have the New York Times like such a prominent and noteworthy um, institution in this country continuously put out bullshit like this, like a sympathetic piece of Ray Epps, which obfuscates and excludes all the most important information that one would need to tell whether or not Ray Epps is a good guy or a bad guy in the story. So they, they just throw up the smoke screen and hope that you just kind of vapid your way through this. Uh, so you could just blurt it out to the others and that's it. 
That's a, that's that's all I got. That's the move. It's a shitty move, but it works. You got to hand it to them. Like there's enough people that read this and think, "Oh, I know something now, and I'm going to go tell the others about this Ray Ups fella." Well, <laughs> sorry, it's folks it's folks like us that have been talking about Ray Ups for the past what fucking year. <laughs> you know, like we we've been bringing this up for quite a while now. So, I mean, Lisa, any final thoughts on on the, this whole uh, special that we've done here about uh, Judge Emmett Sullivan and some of the other related stories here to January 6th? Anything you wanted to leave our audience with? Well, other than the fact that the number one factor in the perpetuating of this is huge travesty of justice. I mean, seriously, I mean, do you realize that in 1692 the witch trials had more due process than these J6 political prisoners do? I mean, we're not shocked here. No kidding. I mean, we, we are I mean, in some occult type of end right? game type of shit. John Henry and I have talked about that extensively. So, <laughs> Can you imagine that? That the witch trials had more due process than Chase Sixers. Okay. I mean, that boy, does that not say it all? Uh, the second biggest factor, as you so eloquently discussed and crystallized, here's the problem people are apathetic. This is okay. It's the apathy and the uh, cognitive dissonance that uh, that's the real problem because, and then that's why the New York Times does what it does, right? People could really make a difference. Um, you know, I, I guess it's that, that they're tied up, uh, you know, tied with working, whatever, uh, doing their daily life things and just not uh, having, or, uh, air quotes, not having the time to do their due diligence and really finding what's, go, uh, what's going on because they just, they want to use that as an excuse. Uh, I suggest uh, not acceptable. So, yeah. Uh, but to be positive, uh, hopefully be, we can get people to uh, know that they can be more empowered and can make a difference. So, All right. Thank you, Lisa. And where can people find you? Okay. Well, absolutely on Twitter at TPLCJ. And let's see, and my website, thecourtracket.com, and uh, coming out with a new forum for blogging, Critical uh, uh, Liberty. And uh, yeah, so good things coming in. And I, I, I just want to say thanks to you, number six, and to John Henry, because you guys really create a uh, forum that really no one else uh has has done so you guys really rock and uh, you're leading the way in that great beacon so thank you so much i appreciate that lisa and then gary did you have anything uh to wrap things up with no um just uh watch out for videos to come out and share it don't sit on it um, and I appreciate you guys too. Um, I mean, we could have done this, you know, as late as it is. And 
or y'all ready to go to bed or whatever, but we continue to stay on here and talk it no matter what time it is. And that's what it takes, you know. I'll I would do this until four, five, six o'clock in the morning, and I'm gonna be doing this until four, five, six o'clock in the morning. And uh, which could let let me say this. Uh, I want to give it. I, I know Gary's a <laughs> he's a humble dude. So I hope he, Gary, you need to give out your info because. Uh, Gary has devoted so much time and uh, <laughs> to this endeavor. Uh, it, it, it truly for for what uh, other than I mean, it, just for pursuing truth, man. If anybody, uh, please uh, help contribute to make it so Gary can keep doing doing this by uh, getting the truth out there. Um, Really, uh, he he really needs our help. Yeah, I'm not gonna stop for sure. Yeah, I would think I I thought it would be over with by now, but it's crazy how things just keep still being uncovered. Well, the plot keeps getting thicker. And uh, Gary, where can people find you, my friend? Yeah, m five newsgate dot com. M five newsgate dot com. And then you're also on Twitter, yes. Um, yeah, and I don't know. Right. You can find us. In, yeah, I think you're on there. <laughs> all right. I don't memorize that stuff. No problems, yeah. man. Yeah, no problems. I think it's M5 hey, News or something. Yeah, we'll get that. Wait, one yes. more thing. I got to give myself a Do plug. It. Okay. So help me help you guys, I mean, the general public. Uh, and uh, there's some great products at my pillow because I'm an affiliate. And I'll tell you what, they get some really great stuff. So uh, not only do people get a great, you know, deal on getting some really quality things, like I just got these new sandals, okay, that rock, they got gel in them, so they're comfy, but yet rugged, because if you turn them over, you can see that, you know, they're really solid. And uh, so uh, you can go to uh, MyPillow.com, put Liberty Bell, okay, and uh, it's like synergy. We all, you know, we can all be happy. So make it happen, people. Give me some love, and you get love back too because you get some great products for a great price. So that's my plug. Thank all you. Right. <laughs> well, with that, John Henry, what what are your final thoughts on uh, this week's special? Well, I like rugged sandals. Yes. With so thank you for that, Lisa. <laughs> um, you know, I just, I, I want to say thank you. Uh, I know Lisa, you're on the East coast. I know it's super late, so we do appreciate that. And, and uh, Gary, you too. And, you know, as we were wrapping up here, I was, I was thinking about a comment that Gary had made in, in his, uh, his conversation with God. Right. And when he's like, Hey, what are we doing? You know, and, and God said, it's going to be my people. Um, well, that is you, Gary. And yeah. that's you, Lisa. You know, and, and that's who you are to us. And I just want you to know that and why we're incredibly grateful for you coming on and, and all the work that both of you guys do respectively and, and just how much care you put into this and how much this matters. And it's interesting when sometimes we get caught up in life, um, we start to, to pay attention to the small shit and we think that that matters. And it's when we really find a purpose like this that we understand that you know, all the little things, they don't really make a difference. And, and when you focus and have a passion, um, 
you know, in, in regards to something that's so incredibly important to, to our future, our future for our country, our future for freedom, um, it, our future for, like I said, our kids and our grandkids, man, it, it's so incredibly important. And, um, you know, and, and the investment that you guys make is certainly not taken lightly. So, um, just want to say thank you again for spending the time, uh, looking forward to the next conversation, um, that, that we have here in the future. And, uh, and speaking of making a great investment, go to mypillow.com, put in Liberty Bell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and get you some pillows and, uh, and hook Lisa up. And, uh, Gary, oh, I'm, uh, listen, I'm telling you, and bed sheet, I'm telling you, wait, wait, one more thing. You like that, Lisa? Listen, you see I how I roll that animal, sales pitch in there? I got print. you, bro. I got you. Love it. Listen, <laughs> but wait, animal print pajamas. Yeah, okay? I'll be passing I'm on those. You, you have me most- on the sandals. You're overselling me right Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I wear loincloth. Your wife would love it. I'm just saying. <laughs> print loincloth. <laughs> but uh, no, I just again thank you guys. I really appreciate the conversation <laughs> and all the hard work you do, uh, both of you. So thanks for coming on tonight. And uh, I'll turn thanks it back over to you, me. sir. All right. With that, um, I just wanted to say, like, for all of you listening, and uh, thank you all for um, you know uh, your all con- constant uh, increases in our subscribers, um, the amount of interactions we've had. Um, and we also have more monthly donators out there too. Um, I just wanted to say, I really appreciate all of the interactions that I've had with everyone, um, in the past few weeks. Um, you all have really lifted me out of a a really dark place, um, that I've been in for a while. And I really attribute a lot of what Gary and Lisa provided us, not just with their knowledge base, but just like their personal experiences. Um, you know, the, the fortitude um, that that's necessary, uh, to do what they have done and accomplished. So, uh, I really appreciate them being here. I appreciate you, my good friend, John Henry, and, uh, to all of you out there until we meet again and until we are free, we are the new prisoners. Thank you for listening to the new prisoners. Let us know what you think about this week's topics on our minds page and Substack, or leave a comment under our video on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brideon. You can also risk being shadow banned, suspended, or permanently banned on Twitter and Instagram with us, or speak freely with us on Gab. Please feel free to share your own sources with us, and remember to share the information we provided you here. You never know what kind of difference it could make. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email number 6 at protonmail.com. Provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. And you can also donate to The New Prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support. There you can make a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99. We also have a subscribe star where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. Or you could donate US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Demand answers, not orders. We are the new prisoners.